probably safe to say that in 1937, when J.R.R. Tolkien first released The Hobbit, even he was unaware that he was becoming the godfather of a generation. It's well known now that the hit board game Dungeons & Dragons was heavily inspired by J.R.R. Tolkien's sequel story, The Lord of the Rings. Only a short few decades later, the story The Lord of the Rings would make it to the silver screen and launch the high fantasy genre into the mainstream forever. I'm James Hockenjoes, and this is The Rewind. Hey guys, this is Jimmy, and you're listening to The Rewind, presented by House of Hats Podcast Network. Your scientists are so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they just don't think they should. Never tell me the odds. The Rewind. The Rewind. What is up, everybody, and welcome to the final episode of Season 1 of The Rewind. Today we do a movie that doesn't have cigs inside. No, no cigs inside. But there's plenty of pipe smoking. Bad, plenty of oh, pipe smoking. Oh, there is pipe smoking inside. inside. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. All right. We're right. We're still we're with it. it. We're getting it. I was actually going to make that reference before. Like I was, I was planning on making that reference. I went into it full, fully knowing I was going to make that reference. So, so this is going to be the final episode of season one. We're going to be taking a little break. Not sure how long yet, but we know at least until the end of the Super Bowl before That's a we nice start break. and go forward with season two. Mm-hmm. This is going to be a good segue because season two is going to be all book adaptations. Oh. Are we doing comic books too? Is that going to be included? Graphic novels? Like V for Vendetta? Sure. Oh. I told you. You still have two picks. I know. I have you to. You still have two picks. I know. And Gage still has two I picks. I know. One of them may be The Losers. Good. I love. Yeah. Good. I love The Losers. And we've talked about how I've, good. We've seen. The, yeah. It's a yeah. good one. No, we, but we've talked about how good of an adaptation it is. I think it is because I've read The Losers. I'm pretty sure on this podcast we've spoken about it. Oh, oh yeah. We Scott did. Pilgrim. Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> it's always a circle. Life is such a circle. So we Ballage. will be we will be finishing The Lord of the Rings. Yes. We will be doing all eight Harry Potters. Mm-hmm. We will be doing Ready Player One. Probably. And yeah, I forgot the other one I had already picked, and then we have a few more to figure mm-hmm. out. But it will be all book adaptations. I think Batman and Robin might be on that list too. Batman and Robin was supposed to be episode sixteen. But I know, but Brandon we... was in town, and it's easier to get a hold of Brandon than Big Whitey, who has a kid. And <laughs> no offense, Big Whitey. No, no, no. So he's going to be here on the on the first for the for... death of kayfabe anyway. Yeah. So I'll talk right. to him about it then. Yeah. Uh, by the way, if you guys are going to do V for Vendetta, you know you have to do it on November fifth, right? We might be able to line that up. I have mm-hmm. to. I, I honestly, we haven't really played around with the season two timeline yet because remember, we, remember the fifth of November. Dude, oh god, I love you from Vendetta so much. I just, love, I love a great anarchist. I just film. love Hugo Weaving. He's just a god. Yeah, I mean that too. But I love a good anarchist film. And I think that film credits um, Padme, Natalie Portman, with uh, bringing back the. Sexy woman with the oh, G.I. Jane. Yeah, that yeah. is that was the mm-hmm. resurrection of G.I. Jane cut. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she pulled that off. I remember seeing it in the, the tabloids. Natalie Portman shaves her head for V for Vendetta. Has she gone crazy? Plus, the thing too about shaving your head is that, yet, if you shave your head as a woman, um, you are, yeah, and that's the thing you're going to learn if you are a true beauty or not. 
Because you think Demi Moore shaved her head and she was stunning. I mean, yeah, stunning. Because all her features now are um, being shown off. And then the same thing with Natalie Portman is like she had an innocence to her and this like doe-like look to her and she really was uh, very pretty. And there are a lot of women who wear their hair buzz typically mm. you're like wow like that's a beautiful woman because you just see their features so their rose. eyes and who thug rose nami Yunus, yeah. ufc fighter mm-hmm. absolutely oh yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah even ruby rose yeah she yeah she had a buzz yeah at one but point. ruby rose also just has that androgynous look to her She's, i mean her feet her cheekbones are phenomenal if i could take her cheekbones i'm just gonna pretend like i know what her cheekbones look like and just not agree she no. does have like very high defined cheekbones. Yeah, yeah, stunning face. She's very angular. But anyway, um, totally off topic. On yeah. That. So, so today we're tackling the first in the Lord of the Rings series, the Fellowship of the mm-hmm. Ring, as Brandon pointed out last week. That when was the twentieth anniversary? It was December. This, yeah, December nineteenth. Yep. Yeah. It was. But I would like to say I do kind of think that this film could also be called Lord of the Rings. How many times does Frodo get stabbed? Because it's only it's twice. Like, I know, but it's like so major. No, but so it feels like it happens more. Well, so, the first one is super major. I know. Take take it like to take it a step further. What I was thinking about while I was watching it today is not how many times does Frodo get stabbed. How many near death experiences does Frodo have in this? Because that's that number is about six or seven. Yeah, that yeah. also crossed my mind. Honestly, too. No. I mean, comes with the territory of adventuring, especially with you know the precious cargo that he's yeah. carrying. So. Yeah, and also, too, I kind of feel like, well, actually, not so now. I feel like this is a giant D&D campaign. Because well, I, I mean, know, I know, I understand. I, guess. I mean, <laughs> Gary Gagax, I don't think, has been shy about the fact that he was heavily inspired by Tolkien. And a lot of the themes in D&D are from Tolkien. Yeah, so. which makes sense. But my feeling about like I was watching it today, and it was literally like when Frodo <laughs> gets stabbed, when he has the chainmail on, it's like he rolled like a crit fail. And it's like, but he already had this armor, so the, like the your dungeon master's looking at it like, well, you don't die, but you you freaking crit failed, so you're down and out for the rest of the battle, and the rest of you are like, oh damn, like yeah. we're down yeah, a person, that's... you know. And then too, when like the um, the demons coming, I also like and all the all the demon like minions are around them. That felt like all right, you all literally rolled rolled uh, uh, natural twenties, and now the dungeon master's like. Oh, I still need this battle to happen because we need to see this big guy because that's where the treasure is. We used to do it to Jared all the time. Remember, we, yeah. the three of us would roll in the 20s and then he'd be like mm-hmm. sitting there trying, like flipping through the book, be like, all right. So somehow something freaks out all the demons and uh, are the goblins and now they scurry up the walls, but there's a bigger monster coming. Roll for initiative. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and don't roll in that 20s, <laughs> you know? Oh, I wasn't sure you were talking about the goblins. Oh, you know. Oh, the I, goblins, yeah. The yeah. goblins. The yeah. goblins, they scurry up the walls, and then the big After demon the comes. Ball, when the Balrogs come in. Yeah, yeah. the Balrogs. Yeah, yeah. The whole Moria scene. Yeah. It's I mean, literally it's a dungeon. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> it's literally a dungeon. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I, I was thinking that as I was watching that, and I think it it's part of the reason I probably love it so much. It's also yeah. probably part of the reason I got into Dungeons & Dragons. I think, for th- I think for a lot of people, it's a gatekeeper for fantasy like a lot of people like they're like oh i kind of want to get into the fantasy genre lord of the rings like that's the first thing that's recommended to them because it sets it sets the the baseline for so many other fantasy movies Mm -hmm. books games like all of the themes that are involved in it are they come up everywhere yeah and i also do feel like too it's probably one of the most perfect fantasy films 
Like, oh, yeah. Scale, yeah. look, feel, characters, storyline, everything. Like, it really does. It No matter when you watch it or how old you are when you first see it, like, it will always hold true to mm-hmm. being just a classic film. It, and it really is a classic at this point. I mean, we're, we're 20 years now. It's, I think it's we could yeah, put that label. apparently was fucking lit for movies. Yeah. Yeah, big year, big year. Big and actually, year. you know, it's funny, too, about 2001, which I was thinking about with this film, is... There's a weird thing about like 2001 to like 2002-ish movies. And I think, I'm assuming it's a camera thing. I think there's a similar camera. But I felt it like with watching this, there was moments that brought me back to Gaines in New York. I'll tell you right now, like why the 2000, 2001, 2002 seems like this crazy year is because I forget, I wish I knew the movie. There's one specific movie that comes out in, oh, I think it. I don't remember. There's one specific movie that comes out in either 99 or 2000. It could have been The Phantom Menace, which was also um, another movie that George Lucas saw where he said the CGI is up to date. But a lot of people had scripts they've been working on. No, you're talking Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park is how... That that Jurassic Park with E.T., right? No, George Lucas saw Jurassic Park and said, I can now make Star Wars movies. Right. Yeah. So, but I'm, I don't know if it's the Star Wars movies, but there's something around that time where people had these screenplays that they've been working out all, all throughout the 90s where they were like, oh, the CGI is ready now. Let's go. Titanic? Because this movie, they started writing this movie in 97. It could be Titanic. Feel, that was 98. Like, no, I feel like it could have been Titanic. Yeah. That ship. I mean, I remember seeing that movie in the movie theaters and the ship looked so real. Yeah. I thought it was a legitimate ship that they had rebuilt. It's on what what Cameron did with that was amazing. That yeah. I, that holds true to well, all. Let dude spend so much money on all of his movies. They so. call him the Ocean Master. He found the Titanic. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's he works with National Geographic. Like he does those types yeah. of things. Probably reason why he wanted to do the Titanic. But um, I meant I more. They call him the Ocean Master and like his tendency to shoot on water. Oh yeah. Like in, um, yeah, he loves it. What's that one you love so much? I can't think of the name of it right now. Where it's three different timelines with Tom Hardy. No, that's that's Christopher Nolan. Right, Nolan. That's Nolan. Yeah, no, that, and that's Dunkirk. But yeah, Dunkirk but, is also shot on film. I, mean, I don't know uh, why I was thinking that water. one's also shot on water, but yeah. it is Cameron. They call him the Ocean Master. They call him the Ocean Master because that's what he does. He dives deep into the ocean, and finds like literally sunken shit. It's awesome. It's really cool. I've seen a bunch of his documentaries, but um, yeah, I'm pretty sure on the VCR, uh, like tape edition, which was two, which was two. I'm pretty sure at the end of the. <laughs> Two. <laughs> two tapes at the end of the second at the end of, at the end of the second tape i'm pretty sure there's like a mini documentary isn't there or am i tripping no no actually, i actually think you're right Something i think like there that. might be yeah, yeah yeah for our potential younger viewers out there oh we're, we're really yeah, we right around the we're right around the tail end of this mm-hmm. we're just shy right around 30 or just shy of 30 yeah. in this room there were these things called vhs tapes mm-hmm. it's about a 12 by five or six inch big cassette and it went into a VHS player, which you would hook up to your TV, and it had the film on it, and, and it would play you the movie. And that's how we would watch movies back in the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Titanic was such a long film, and there was so much film in the cassette, it required two tapes. So it came in a two-tape box set. Yep. And one of the only movies I remember being that long that was on two Color tapes. Color Purple. Don't even know what that is. Yeah, Color Purple was actually on two DVDs. 
Yeah, I remember when DVDs first came out, they had that issue, and then Blu-ray came out, and they're like, meh, we're good. Yeah, yeah. No, The Color Purple is a really long movie. But crazy story, I mean, again, we're moving off topic. With James Cameron, though, um, do you know, either of you know how he pitched Titanic? Romeo and Juliet on a ship. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah he walked in with a picture. I That's one of my favorite stories. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I, 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 the ideal level to get to, I feel, would be Cameron being able to do that. Like Just you know, you made it. Office. Yeah, you know you made it when you're walking in with a picture, and someone else's work, and you're saying, "I'm gonna make this." Yeah, <laughs> you know. Like, how how funny is it that <clears throat> um, Leo DiCaprio was in two Romeo and Juliet movies because he was in mm-hmm. Romeo and Juliet, and then he was in Romeo and Juliet on a boat that sank. Yeah, and then he was also He was in, in Romeo and Juliet with guns, and he was in Romeo and Juliet <laughs> on a boat. <laughs> That's yeah, York, yeah. Yeah, and then he was also in Romeo Well, he was the Juliet. heartthrob of that era. Oh, so. no, I wasn't even talking about gangs in New York. I was straight up talking about Romeo and Juliet with him and... Uh, that might be one of mine, actually. The act, it's called... It's the Romeo... Who did it? Why can't I think um, of that name? Who did it? Baz Luhrmann. Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and yeah, Juliet. Yeah, that's one of my favorite movies of all time. Where they literally have guns, and it's called like a, a sword point nine nine. Like that's the name, like mm-hmm. the or Sword Forty Four mm-hmm. caliber. Yep, and it takes place in like <laughs> Santa Monica. That's wild. Yeah, oh, you've, you've never, never seen, seen it. it? No. Nope. <gasps> oh, Brandon, 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 Brandon. Yeah. Homework <laughs> assignment. Okay. Well, so I'm, next I'm time on vacation. Back so. is for Baz Luhrmann. <laughs> have to, have to. Maybe we'll hit up V for Vendetta. That, it's that all, vacation too. Then. It's all modern day Santa Monica, California, with the guns and all that. It's fucking the dialogue. Is the as Shakespeare wrote it? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's that's cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, that is really cool. It's actually, amazing. Okay, it's right. really amazing, and his cinematography in it's phenomenal. It's a very '90s feel. It's like Vice City. They're having a shootout at the gas station, and <laughs> yeah, and they're talking in Shakespeare, and it's it's just so a great. You remember the first fights? Literally, the opening scene of Romeo and Juliet, right mm-hmm. after the original monologue, and that's that. I I don't bite my stuff. Um, it's, do you bite your thumb, yeah, you, sir? Yeah, I, I don't bite my. Th- I do bite my thumb, but not you, sir. Whatever it is, I can't remember the exact lines. That's at a gas station, so they oh, pull nice. up in like Monte Carlos or something like that, like crazy nice cars, and on the like the license plate will say Montague or whatever, <laughs> like the <laughs> hanging cross that says a Capular or something like that. And they that that whole dialogue scene happens. That's actually he says incredible. I draw my sword on thee and pulls the gun out and it freeze frames and on the side of the barrel yeah, it, it says in. sword forty four caliber. They zoom in on the gun. Yeah, in that wow. Baz Luhrmann way. It's amazing. That's really good. But speaking of Baz Luhrmann, the other one I was going to say is uh, Great Gatsby. That's another Romeo and Juliet storyline that Pat Frio was Yeah, in, essentially. You know? In the roaring 20s. Leo. It's, I mean, Leo it's is Leo. Leo. I mean, he He's is. He's Romeo. He's. <laughs> Romeo DiCaprio, baby. Romeo DiCaprio. Romeo. I, wish, I wish I wrote that, but I didn't. It just. <laughs> into my brain, into the mic. I didn't even think twice about it. All right, well, I think let's start with, like, personal feelings. Yeah, I'm going to take the reins. I'll go first. Um, I'm almost positive I know this to the date. I believe it was New Year's Day 2002. Oh. Whole family went out to see The Lord of the Rings. Good movie-going experience, but again, 2002, I'm 93, so I'm nine years old. Mm -hmm. Terrified the entire time that orcs were going to overrun the movie theater I was in. As a young kid, my cousin had me in her phone as Orc Boy. (laughs) because <laughs> I was like traumatized by the Urukai but then by the time Two Towers came out I was over it but at that, at the time that was the first time I saw it definitely terrified of the orcs definitely brought me into the fantasy genre although I can't even because it's Star, Star Wars is fantasy right 
sci-fi. It's yeah, it's, it's sci-fi, sci-fi fantasy. Sci-fi. Yeah, I would, Star Wars part of my life since I was born. Yeah, so I don't know no, if no, I no. Could say War of the Rings brought me into the. I genre. would say I would say Star Wars is a combination of sci-fi and some fantasy elements. Lord of the Rings is just straight up high fantasy. Like yeah. it's just a high fantasy mm-hmm. movie. There's there's really no sci-fi in it at all it's just magic and swords and awesomeness and awesomeness yeah it's, it's yeah. awesome sauce <laughs> that was uh my first experience with the film definitely love these films i was originally thinking about giving this as something in the high eights mm-hmm. then i watched it today and i was like i was asking myself the question is this the greatest fantasy film ever made or you know as a whole definitely but i just mean this specific mm-hmm. one and that just asking that question alone brings me up to a nine zero. Ooh, good score. Okay. 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 It's not my favorite of the three. No, it's not my favorite three at all. Like I, I'd have to rewatch Two Towers and Return of the Kings. It's been a minute since I've watched them, but I, I feel like growing up, Two Towers was definitely my favorite. Towers is a solid movie. Two Towers is awesome. I mean, you really can't go wrong with either with any of the three. You could pick. Yeah, I mean, even the Hobbits. If you throw in the Hobbits, too, the Hobbits are fantastic. Mm. Oh, I love the Hobbits. I mean, three is a little. It doesn't have to be three movies. I will give you that. It could have been done. Okay. Do it again, Jimmy. Um. Okay. I guess we're not. Mm. Anyway, moving on from that. Um, I think I actually didn't see this one in theaters first. I think I saw this like as a bootleg, Mm -hmm. like on one of those DVDs, you know, (laughs) like an actual bootleg DVD. Oh my god! Yeah, like Walk from the City. I know for a fact I saw Return of the King on a bootleg. Yeah, and it wasn't a great copy either. No, but no. We watched that motherfucker. Yeah, we didn't care. Yeah, no, not at all. When you do ever care, if especially if it's that good of a movie, like yeah. Troy, I remember heads popping up. Like when I watched Troy. And Troy's oh, there one. were heads popping up. Yeah, in the oh Return of the King copy I watched. Yeah, Troy is one of my favorite movies too. But anyway, um, with I didn't. I don't think I saw it in theaters, and I I don't remember when the first time I saw it. I do remember. Very vividly sitting with Bob and watching the bootleg version before going to see Two Towers with my grandparents. I do vividly remember that. So, um, but also, you know, I got I got a lot of concussions and some CT going on. I don't remember a lot. So <laughs> that doesn't matter. But I I do. I think this is one of the greatest fantasy films of all time. I mean, and story-wise, yeah, we could argue there's earlier films that fall into that category but as a whole the cinematography the storyline like i said i kind of did this already but also the way peter jackson handled cgi where you know for a 2001 film it's pretty amazing it really i was watching it and going this holds up today like it really does and it's because of his use of practical with cgi he didn't Mm -hmm. rely on the cgi like a lot of 2000 2001 films were doing he relied on practical and then blended it seamlessly with the CGI mm-hmm. to make a masterpiece and something that I think will hold up for. I, I, I mean, I, I mean, would argue forever. Honestly, it, it's well, it's definitely his um his blending and his re- uh, relying on the practical effects mm-hmm. because like the battle is the battle of Helm's Deep in the Two Towers. It's all people. Yeah, it's all extras. Yeah, that's calling more. This is at a time where. The Star Wars prequels were coming out, and they just did the clone scenes with all CGI. Yeah. So mm-hmm. he saw that you could do it and still said, no, we're just going to hire a couple of hundred extras, put them in, in the orc garb and the elf garb, and we're going to have a big-ass party. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's it it 
matters. It does matter. It shows in this, I feel like you could show, in that type of argument where like, practical, like the practical versus CGI argument, I feel like this is the film you show to say, no, 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 this is why it matters. Mm -hmm. Because look at it in 2021 and uh, there's no questions. I mean, this is amazing. But um, I feel like if this movie was made in 2000, actually, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna finish that statement because I don't think that's true anymore. I was gonna say, that maybe in 2021 this movie would be made with majority CGI, but I feel like with movies like Dune and some other movies, yeah. they are trying to go back to this idea of blending special effects and, um, you know, practical sets and costumes as much as they possibly can because they realize how much better it makes the viewing experience. Yeah. Although, I mean, you couldn't do ventures with practical effects, really. Well, you know, it's funny. First off, I knew you were going to say that, and I think it's because how long we've been friends that I could have read your mind there, but I um, I immediately went to Dune. Yeah. When you were, like, starting that sentence, I immediately thought, no, yeah. Dune is... Even, even I mean, as, as, as a hot topic as the movies are, even Force Awakens did a good job with that, too. They did a ton of shooting on the ground in Jordan, like, all the desert scenes. Speaking of that movie. What? Not speaking of that movie. Okay, well, the effects and stuff were incredible, mm-hmm. whether you liked the movie or not. How I feel about these this that fucking trilogy. Okay. Not anyone. But anyway, um To answer that question, this this doesn't get made as a movie in twenty twenty one. No, it gets made as a TV show. It gets made as a ten part ten episodes a season, three season limited series, something like that. Yep. On streaming. <coughs> HBO, Netflix. I think, Lord, I think Amazon is in works with the Lord of the Rings. Yeah. It's that's a prequel in particular. That's how the, that's right? how this would get made if it was made today. Yeah. Very good point. It probably wouldn't be a movie. You're right. Yeah, no, I agree with that, Because instead of spending what they spent on this movie, which we'll get to, but instead of spending what they spent on this movie to try to cram everything into a three-hour movie, which at the time is a little crazy, and then even the extended version was three hours, 48 minutes. Yeah, something like that. They mm-hmm. would never do it. They would be like, we're mm-hmm. going to slice the budget down by 25% and release this as a 10-hour, 10 10-part 10 mm-hmm. series. I mean, even too, like even if you were just to take what the movie is, you got four episodes right there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah it's kind of wild. Because um, you could even just do it, like, if you were just to release just Lord of the Rings, miniseries, limited miniseries, yeah, limited you know? series. You need 12, um, 15 episodes, something like that. Yeah, there's a bunch of ways you could do it, but... Um, What's your score? Yeah, give us a score. Yeah, I'd probably put this at 8-8. Uh, okay. Yeah. I, I, thought it, I thought it last night when I started it, and then finishing it today, I kind of stuck by my 8-8. I mean... Um, it's fucking long. It's fucking Worth long. It. No, it is. It is. But it is one of those things where I am looking at my watch going, Jesus. You don't need the extra, you don't need the extra 49 minutes. I'm telling you right now. You don't it, need it. I watched the regular version today. You do not need the extra 49 minutes in the extended version. Two hours, 59 mm. minutes is long enough. Yeah, it's a long movie. It's a long movie. But a lot happens. It does. So, a lot does happen. I'm not mad at it. Mm-mm. So I give it an 8-8. We won't do. <laughs> <laughs> so I think my first time with this movie actually wasn't when it came out. It was a long time after. Um, I got into like Lord of the Rings and stuff way later. I want to say, I want to say high school. So really, yeah. Um, like I had known about it, but it never really was something that I watched. And then we were at my grandparents' house, um, and my cousins were visiting from California. And we were just, you know, hanging out and it came on TV 
and it was two towers i'm pretty sure so i technically watched that one first and then after watching that i went and watched this one at home on my own and i'm pretty sure i torrented it like yeah you know, back sense. in 2009 2010 what on the last episode we gave a little shout out to one two three movies that, that's, <laughs> yeah that's where brian watched Superbad for the first time one, uh, two, three movies. On one, two, three, one, two, three movies. Yeah. movies. I think I Good torrented times. it off of uh, Pirate, Pirate Bay. Booty. Pirate Bay. Pirate was it Pirate Bay? Pirate oh, Bay. it was Pirate Bay. Pirate Booty right. is a snack food. That is a snack that I was dealing with today. <laughs> Pirate's Booty is a delicious snack. It is I, a there good was snack. behaviors over it last <clears> night. <throat> it was a whole thing. Um, but I think that uh, this movie is the bar for anything high fantasy as far as a movie is concerned. Because if it's a TV show, it's a whole different animal. Like if it's a mini series, there's plenty of high fantasy series that have come out since then. But I think as far as a movie is concerned, it has definitely set the bar. Like this is minimum if you want to even be considered one of the greats. Um, I do think that the extra 49 minutes are totally worth it. I will disagree with you there. I think it adds a lot of world building to the entire thing. It may not be essential to the storyline, but I think a movie like this, I prefer a more detailed world because I care about the events more rather than the characters. So it's like, you know, it just adds to the story for me personally. And so I don't watch any of the theatrical versions. I strictly watch the... the oh, right. yeah. well, yeah. <laughs> Part of the reason too, I bought the extended versions because yeah. I was like, why would I... No. Yeah, I'll take the yeah. extra forty nine yeah. minutes. You know, it just, you know, just it just deepens the lore and stuff like that. And it's, I'm a nerd, so well, extra like, forty nine minutes. I'll put it this way: like, you look at the Snyder cut, mm -hmm. it needed all that extra time. Yeah, it made it a better movie. It took it from being a like mashed up piece of garbage that it was all over the place with not a lot of direction into a seamless clear film. story, like a seamless story mm -hmm. arc. The theatrical reason of release of the Lord of the Rings doesn't have that problem. You know what I'm saying? I agree. It's so like you can still effectively tell the story without that. Yeah, of course. I, yeah, that's I, what... For me, I was with you on 8-8 for theatrical, but with the extended edition, the extra 49 minutes, bumps it up to a 9-1 for me. 9-1, yeah. Mm -hmm. See, I, I feel like as a nerd, I need the extra 49 minutes, but I feel like as a filmmaker and as like a critic, it... Yeah, it's it's long. It, yeah. it makes it a little too long. Which is why it wasn't released that way. Yeah, you know, exactly. It was it was released exactly. for the fans for people who wanted that extra, you know, world building. That also, extra that, stuff. that extra forty eight minutes could be the difference between one or two extra showings per theater. Yeah, true. Mm -hmm. Per mm -hmm. building per day. Yep. Yeah. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, when it came out, I mean, it had to have been one of the longest movies that I think people even considered. Oh, I mean, at the like time, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, we have some classics that run fairly long, but you know, no, no one in this at, in two thousand one had sat time, through those. By the time yeah. we were at two thousand one, this is like really where we're kicking in, de in gear with the 90, 95 minute movie. Yeah. yeah, like get it done in ninety ninety five minutes, and we're cranking a minute out. Yeah, yeah. because I feel like two thousand one Space Odyssey is definitely over two hour mark. Yeah. Um. So like, there's some, there's stuff like that. But again, huge fa huge fantasy sci-fi type of story with the massive world building involved in it. Um, oh, also to point out what we were talking about before, <clears throat> one of my favorite parts of this movie is the costume design. Amazing. The costume design in this movie is flawless. God, and it throughout adds the entire so much. 
three movie arc. It's just, I mean, the orcs, the Urukai, the goblins. I mean, they. It's just absolutely absurd that that is all practical. Like that is legitimately a dude in a costume, and it's. It looks so much better that way, mm-hmm. and I think if it like I like picturing them in CGI, just. It ruins it. Yeah, it just ruins yeah. it for me. It's, it's, I'm sure the fighting may have been a little bit less clunky, but I like that because it made them feel like as big and brutish as they were. Like they're just super simple strikes. It wasn't, you know, fancy. It wasn't flourishing or anything like that. It was just like, no, I'm going to try and fucking, you know, smash yeah. the shit out of you. I have one goal, and it's for you to die. Yep. That's it, you know. Talk about the Uruks. Yeah, yeah, like they're not here to fuck around. Like, no, no, no. Like, I'm yeah, coming well, in to kill you. They're meant, they're, they're meant to be. They're the only orcs that carry short broadswords. They're, mm-hmm. they're regular traditional. Or, I mean, specifically the White Hand of Saruman Uruks mm-hmm. are the only Orokai that carry that short broadsword. The rest of them carry... Um, it's not a sickle. I forget. It's a it's a lighter weapon. I, I forget know, exactly I what oh, weapon it is, uh, the, yeah, so that's very much meant by design. Like, they're meant to be powerful, brooding, slow. Mm-hmm. Just going to take you by force and numbers. Yeah. Um, do you want to take a quick break first? Or, because I, I could keep, I don't know. If yeah, let's wanna... take a break. Okay. So let's be honest for a second. I'm wearing Saatchi Di Dinero. This hoodie, this has got to be the most comfortable thing that I've worn in a while. So if you're going to wear this, Make sure you wear it on Monday. Why? Because it's motivated money-making Monday morning, baby. And if it's not Monday, you better make sure it's on a Friday. It's Fresh Cut Friday on Fresh Fit Friday. And we got codes for this holiday season. What are they? The code is HAVOC, H-A-V-O-C, at checkout for 10% off your total purchase. That's SachiDDenero.com. Brand new release, brand new arrivals, the new Sachi hoodie. It's got the logo embossed on the hood. They're available in clay and gray blue. You want to go get those fast. Come on, go get it now. Sachi Di Dinero, always authentic, never counterfeit. What is up, everybody? We are back. Still here talking about Fellowship of the Ring. Directed by Peter Jackson. As you <coughs> all know, screenplay was adapted by Fran Walsh, uh, Philippa Boyens, and Peter Jackson. Story is obviously by the writer of the novel, J.R.R. Tolkien. Cinematographer Andrew. The way you said that, I know it was just you. you Andrew Lesney, <laughs> editor John Gilbert, music Howard Shore. Cast: Elijah Wood as Frodo Baggins, Ian McKellen as Gandalf the Grey, Viggo Mortensen as Aragorn, Elisar the Second, Sean Astin as Samwise Gamgee, Sean Bean as Boromir, massive bitch, Billy Boyd as Peregrine Pippin Took. Dominic Monaghan as Meriadoc Mary Brandybuck, John Reese davies as Gimli, Orlando Bloom as Legolas Greenleaf, Liv Tyler as Arwen Undemil? 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 Oh, I, I, her name's Arwen. Arwen Everstar is what uh, Kate Blanchett calls her. Yeah, Kate Blanchett as Galadriel. Galadriel. Mm-hmm. Christopher Lee, Sarm on the White, Hugo Weaving as Elrond, Ian Holm as Bilbo Baggins, and Andy Serkis as Gollum. Runtime, we did this already. Theatrical release is 2 hours, 59 minutes. Extended cut is 3 hours, 48. It's PG-13. Location, New Zealand, all over the place. Mm-hmm. I didn't bother getting specific locations, but you can get, if you look, you can get it online. Where Mordor was, where this was. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. 
But there's it's all, tours. It's all New yeah. Zealand. Release date. See, now this was, I think it was December 10th. It might have just pre- like did the premiere, but release date in America, which is what we care about. December 19th, 2001. You were sick. You were sick. Budget? Yeah, we're selfish. Um, oh, budget. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, I saw the answer on the screen, so I'm cheating, but... Fuck you. <laughs> um, I can't see, see that, see that the far. the next answer, too? Yeah. Damn it. All right, so this is just you, Emily. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think what games I'd was. I'd say a lot of money for the time. Yeah, no, so I'm trying to think of what Gaines was because I remember the struggle they had with Gaines and I don't know why in my head I'm thinking $30 million for them. But I don't think it was that high for Gaines. It was lower than that, right? Well, it was higher than that for Gaines. Really? Was it higher than 30 It's definitely higher than that for this movie. Okay, yeah, yeah. I know that. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go $120 million. Not that high. $90 million. 93 Okay. See, shit, I should have won my first fucking answer. What was your first answer? 90 uh-huh. In my head, I was like $90 million, and I'm like, nah, that's too low. Let me do 120 Yeah. Box office. Oh, box office. Oh, box office probably blew. Uh, I don't know. Five hundred million. Eight hundred and ninety-seven point seven million dollars. Yeah, that makes sense. Which I was. I Spider-Man figured. No way home blew the doors off of that. Well, whatever. Yeah, it's it's a whole different. I mean, adjusted world for now. inflation, that's probably. Yeah, adjusted for inflation, it's probably. That's crazy. in the billions. Huge. Yeah, for that's sure. That's in the billions. Yeah, for sure. Because I knew I figured it was probably close to the billions, but and I was so, like. I don't know if you want to. I only have wins and nominations, but I don't have who they lost to on the noms. So I don't oh, know if you want to pull, pull up, up the O2 Oscars. 2002 Oscars. It won for Best Cinematography, Best Visual Effects, Best Makeup, and Best Original Score. The noms were Best Supporting Actor for Ian McKellen, Best Art Direction, Best Directing, Best Film Editing, Best Original Song, May It Be. Best picture, best sound, best costume design, and best adapted screenplay. All right, so let me see. <laughs> best costume design was, I, I was, when you were bringing it up before, I was about to like put the brakes on it, but it just stopped on its own because I was like, we're going to have time to talk about that because it did get nominated. Oh, nice. Um, What ones were we talking the about? The nominations? Well, I mean, Give I guess specifically right now, who would they lose to for best costume design? Best costume. Watch me something to whack. Best costume. What fucking. Oh, God, I hate this list. Well, let me go a different way. Why don't you search best costume 2002 Oscars? Because I was just going to pull them up, but not, now I have it here at home. I was on IMDb. Not IMDb. Um, I was on Wiki and figured, let me go to Oscar's website because they'll probably organize it better, and they do. Costume design. Oh, Moulin Rouge. That mm. makes complete no 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 no, yeah. no 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 that makes yeah. complete okay. sense. All right, fine, fine. Supporting actor. Dude, honestly, I love goddamn love. Uh actor in supporting role. Jim Broadbent and Iris. I don't even remember that. No clue. All right. Um why do I have a vague recollection of the movie Iris? I couldn't even tell you. What one best picture? Best picture. I think that I think that was a um, Ron Howard film. Let me say home. Best picture. Oh, Beautiful Mind. Yep, Ron Howard. Okay, and best adapted was the only other one I was interested in. Best adapted. Let's see. Hmm. 
Oh, I could select. Oh, wow. We should do that. <laughs> should do that when I started. Oh, uh, there we go. Adapted. Let's see. <coughs> beautiful mind. I was gonna say, I'm pretty sure that was. Yeah. Well, I mean, a beautiful mind was one of those films. I mean, it still is. You still watch it today, and it's a pretty amazing film. So. All right, fine, Oscars. Give yeah, I'll give that one to them. One uh, quick little fun fact slash casting what if that I came across today while I was doing some notes. Aragorn originally offered to Daniel Day-Lewis. Mm. Turned it down, I believe, because he had a family thing. Was offered to Russell Crowe, who turned it down because he just did Gladiator and didn't want to become typecast. Did All he turn it? Did, I'm sorry, Danny Day Lewis turn it down because of gangs? Because that probably was family issues. Really? I thought it said, yeah. Because gangs I was probably around the same time. A, a family issue with the traveling and offered to Russell Crowe, offered to Daniel Day Lewis a second time. And um, there was one more person, I can't think of it off top. One more per Oh, Vin, Vinny Diesel. I tried no out. No way. Big fan of the books. No, no, I believe Who that he's a, a nerd. But... When you got family. Could you imagine him trying to do an accent? <laughs> Instead of you have my sword, it's you have my family. <laughs> you have my charger. Yeah. <laughs> you have my Hemi. <laughs> Which, by the way. Uh... Imagine just Dom Toretto just mowing down orcs. <laughs> Get in. <laughs> Finding Mary and Pippin. Get it! Yeah, this would be one movie instead of three if, if Dom Toretto was in yeah, it. They just fucking rip right through Mordor. Yeah. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be one hour episode. Um, and but... then Viggo Mortensen was a stage actor mm -hmm. and his son was a fan of the books and they sought, um, I believe, Peter Jackson saw him in a play and sense. then offered it to him. Even after they offered it to him, I believe they went back and offered Daniel Day-Lewis the second time and he said no again and then they went back to Viggo. Yeah, well, Vigo wasn't really a name. Uh -uh. No, uh -uh. I mean, none of them really. I mean, uh, Wendell Bloom. No, that's Orlando Bloom's first big one. I mean, the... yeah, what else was before? Was before two thousand one? I don't know, but I knew who Orlando Bloom was before these movies. Really? So because him I mean, Ian McKellen definitely. Well, I mean, that was what, I was movie. about to well, say yeah, like this, the, it was like the older guys. This like this movie also pits the great a great scene, which we're, I guess we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, but I don't think it's a great scene for the movie. I just think it's a great uh -huh. scene for this reason. In the first act of this film, Peter, Pete Jackson pits Count Dooku against fucking Magneto. <laughs> yeah. And it's amazing. <laughs> two, two Hall of Famers. Yeah. I mean, also, too, we were talking last night a little bit when we were watching this, and uh, I said, uh, Ian McKellen is one of the best actors of all time. He, well, he's a, he's a freaking sir. So I Well, that, too, but, I mean, he's just that... He's he steals every single scene he's in in my mind. Like every single line that comes out of his mouth, like there's a purpose for it right. behind his eyes or emotion, whatever it be. Quick sidebar: Mount Rushmore of great um, English actors: Pat Stewart, Ian McKellen, Christopher Lee. Who rounds it out? Give me the fourth. Jason Statham. Are you kidding me? Are you fucking kidding me right now? I said that specifically to get a response out of you, so thank well, you. Well, it goddamn worked. Um, Tom Holland. Oh. No, honestly. Um, 
Um, Jesus Christ. I, I'm like, Tom Hardy. <clears throat> Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy is amazing. Tom Hardy is amazing. You put how many films do we only see his eyes? All of them. It's like the joke now. It, yeah, well, sure, actually, but I mean, but even in like, honestly, even in Inception, he's phenomenal. He's a scene stealer in Inception. Um, but I mean, like, there's a lot of classic actors you could throw on that list. But I, I mean, for if we're gonna talk modern, I, I would argue. Tom, uh, yeah, Tom Hardy would be on You're my like list. Saying like still in the game or like still alive? No, do still in the game. Do someone still in the game? Do someone still in the game? I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say James McAvoy. James okay. McAvoy absolutely nails. Professor X is on the fucking Mount Rushmore. Huh? I, but I, I, mean... I say that whatever role he is in, hear me out now. Hear me out now. Not yet. But Andrew Garfield is a incredibly underrated actor. Yes, I will give yeah. you that. I will incredibly give you, yeah. underrated actor. Mm-hmm. And he was a great Spider-Man. The reasons those movies were bad were not his fault. No, yeah, I agree. He gave life to a rather uninspired script in the second one, in my opinion. And I now agree. With, now with... Uh, I don't even want to... It's, it's, uh, yeah, no spoilers. No, this is coming out in another week. No Way Home would have been out for a month. Fuck yous. Fuck yous all. Have you seen No Way Home? Yeah, I've seen it. All right. Um, now with the reaction to No Way Home, they're all everyone's calling online for the Amazing Spider-Man three. So maybe we will get to see. I mean, the complete, the completion of that trilogy. Who's the villain? So we'll do a quick because this isn't about this movie, but the post credits, the the oh yeah, true, with Venom true, true, and true, the symbiote, true. and then yeah. he goes back. Um, everyone who got zapped there knew who Peter Parker was in Tom Hardy's Venom movie. There is no Spider-Man at least that we know of. So the theory is that that's Andrew Garfield's same universe. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they're going to go meet up in the in, in the Sony-verse and Andrew Garfield's going to be Sony well, Spider-Man and Tom Holland's going to be Marvel Spider-Man and that's how they're going to do it. Yeah, um, so back to Orlando Bloom. Uh, the first thing he ever did was called Casualty. The second thing was Wild. Then Smack the Pony. Midsummer Murders, and then Lord of the Rings. And then it was Black Hawk Down. And then Two Towers. So it was Lord of the Rings TV? put him... Nothing in TV? I feel that like is... I knew who he was before he was... No, Lord. Casualty is a TV series. Smack the Pony was a TV series. Midsummer Murders, TV series. But Midsummer Murders looks like something that was British, honestly. I think that was solely British film. But those that those were the three TV things, and then it was Lord of the Rings was his first thing. Like, that was his... That was his that that what a breakout role! I mean, my God, like what that made was, him. What else was he in immediately in the years immediately Ooh. after that? You want Black to talk Hulk about Down. great British actors that you could put on that Mount Rushmore? Fucking Gimli. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, also, we could talk about or if we go female, um, Maggie Smith. Oh yeah, Maggie Smith, amazing. Um, Judy Dame. Ooh. You know, there's a lot of Judy Dench. Dame, Judy Dench. Dame Judy, yeah, I fucked that one up. Um, but there's a lot of female act- British actors who you could put. Julie Andrews. Julie Andrews. Kate Blanchett. I was gonna say Kate Blanchett. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even we could even go um, Charlize Theron. Charlize. Isn't she South African? I think she is African. Yeah, I think she's South African. I honestly, I got away from British. So I was just talking good actresses. <laughs> I forgot about that. Totally forgot. I, I completely forgot we were doing that. Um. But Black Hawk Down, he was in, and then it was the Two Towers. Then Ned Kelly, he was in, and then Pirates, and then it was the Return of the King. 
and then Troy, pretty much. What a run, Troy. What, what year was Troy? 2004. Yeah, I thought it was 2004. Yeah, no, no. That yeah. was the movie I was like, I'm He's a sure little was... bitch. No, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> he is a little bitch yeah. in that one. Yeah, before, I don't know if you guys have any other uh, little fun facts or if you want to look for anything or not, but before um, we get into it, I have to ask this question, and it's a two-parter. It's like a then and now deal. As a kid watching these movies, who did you want to be? Legolas. And now. Yeah, you, you said Legolas, right? When I was a kid, yeah. Everyone wanted to be Legolas. When I mean, he's awesome. Now, as an adult, oof, oof. Well, I see. I never saw this movie as a kid. The first time I saw this movie, I was already like sixteen. All years right, old. but yeah, but you're—that's still like fifteen years ago, bro. Yeah. Ew, God. I mean, that—that that, a lot has changed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think I think back then it was Aragorn, and I think now fair. it's Gimli. <laughs> Gimli is literally just me. Gimli is amazing. Gimli Honestly, is it would make sense that I'd be Legolas because we'd 100% have a kill count going. Mm-hmm. And you would look at me and go, Still counts as one. Yeah. Um, but I think now, see, I think now part of me goes towards Aragon. There's just something about Aragon who's amazing. But I also. It's fucking king. Not even that. No, it has honestly nothing to even do with that. It, it, it has to do with him. No, I'm being dead serious. Like, it has to Not do with a little him. Bit. No, it has to. Like, that scene with him and Frodo, when right after the issue with Boromir mm-hmm. happens, and there's that whole scene where he, he, like, glances at the ring, frozen with a Jew, and he just takes his hand and puts it to his chest and is like, I would have walked with you. To, like, I would have went to, with you to Mordor, whatever that line is, which is amazing. And, like, the, it's... I, there's just something about him as a character, not with his, not with like what his um, her heritage is. It's just his character. I mean, it. it it's his very her- compelling character. What? Very compelling. Amazing. Character. Yeah. Like that's the thing because I feel like even if you took away the king part of it, um, he's still that amazing character. Mm-hmm. Um, but. But it's good to yeah, be the king. It is good to be the king. I mean, this is kind of one of the, this is one of the only films where I'm not like. Crazy. I'm like in love with the villains because I typically love villains. I mean, I'm a big Cersei fan who doesn't fucking love Darth Vader. I mean, but no, not in the same. Like, I'm so rooting for the heroes in this movie. Oh, that's what I mean. Yeah, okay. You know, like, that's fair. That's what I mean. mean, It's just like a lot of, okay, the best villains aren't necessarily the most evil or the most scary, they're the ones that are the most relatable. Because you can yes. see yourself in that person's shoes. Which is why Boromir is so good. Yes. Yeah. Um, which, I don't think he's... Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. No, he's a, good, he's a great character. Boromir goes out... There's only one character in this entire series that goes out softer and more like a pussy than Boromir. Yes, I said it. And That's his redemption. The only person in this entire series that goes out softer than him... Is Legolas's cousin in the Battle of Helm's Deep awesome. just gets cracked on the back of the head <laughs> yeah. with a sword. And he's the only yeah. person who has a softer exit than fucking Bormir. <laughs> Bormir is almost, he's like, you know how in um, the Aquaman movie, mm-hmm. Idris Elba's character is like kind of a bad guy, but not really? Mm-hmm. That's Bormir in this movie. He's like the alternate fucking um, conflict. He no, tries to he's... kill Sparrow t- t- once or twice. He tries to kill Frodo. Once. 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 Yeah, mm-hmm. once. Um, but the thing about Boromir is Boromir is... It took rep- four arrows. To Wait, we're not going to get that. Three. We're, we're, let's, get, let's get ahead of that Almost we're not, we're not, I don't want to go into that yet. I almost want to hold off on that because it's like, I'm going to talk for about an hour on that scene alone. But 
my my thing with Boromir, um <laughs> um, did you just completely lose yeah. it? Well, is not walking a mortal, or what do you? No, 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 no. Specifically about that scene when we were talking about it. Um, oh, oh also, I got it. Aragorn, I got it. Back, back, the guy back. who kills him, Aragorn takes him out in two in two fucking strokes, dude. Um, two strokes of the story. Hold on, that, that hold on. Okay, yeah, I'm gonna hold off on that. With Boromir, Boromir is the representation of man. He is the representation of the. Um, so is Aragorn. It's the dichotomy. No, 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 not in the same way. No, Boromir represents what those kings became. He represents the before. We're see, like, so we don't really see how these kings went mad with the rings and turned into the, um, what are they? Nazgul. Yeah, the Nazgul. But like, that's what Boromir is, is Boromir is the before. Boromir is starting to have that ring drive him mad and see like everything. And plus two, Boromir is... He's the he's the heir in a way, or the heir apparent to Gondor, because his father is the steward. So when he, his father dies, he will then become the steward and technically the, the king of Gondor. So there's also this there, but he'll never truly be king. Drives a fucking person mad because you're king in all sense of the, the things, but not by title, and you'll never have the respect of being king. And he's like the little bratty kid with Aragorn's exile deal. <laughs> Right. Where he's like, well, I'm technically not king, but you're not either. Yeah, Gondor doesn't need a king. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, but my that I'll say it right now. That's one of my favorite scenes when Boromir dies. Yeah. Um, from the moment him it's okay and to be wrong. yeah, it's okay. If you're wrong. <laughs> it happens quite often. You can't always be right. Um, but <laughs> it's not a bad scene. Boromir is a bitch. No, I so disagree with that. Took out like forty orcs. So the thing about Boromir is, is that like his only job is to protect the hobbits. If you're gonna die, you die making you die making sure the hobbits get to safety. He died and lost the hobbits. But he, he had arrows sticking out done. of his chest. He didn't even yeah. But so when he gets the first arrow stuck in his chest, at that point he makes a bad judgment call and thinks he's gonna stand there and fight them off. He doesn't tell them to run, doesn't give them any direction. These fucking hobbits look up to these grown people. And that's they're all supposed to, to protect the hobbits. Themselves, man. But also I think too, he probably knew that Aragorn and Legolas were literally right there. So I think I think in his head it wasn't that they were gonna get taken. I think in his head, he's he's doing that horn not only to draw the orcs away from Frodo, but also to call Legolas and Aragorn and Gimli yeah, and say, Hey, this is horn. where I am. Yeah, like, yo, we need help here. And so I don't think he thought that far ahead. I mean, also you have to think too, like in an adrenaline situation like that, it, your thinking is not cl necessarily clear. It can be if you're trained in certain ways, but his training is to keep going. So in his head, like it doesn't matter. What is he going to do? Pick him up and fucking run? There's how many orcs there? Even if they were to run, they're captured. Actually, in reality, if, if Boromir, in Boromir's head, he probably thought they were safer with him because he thought he could buy enough time for Legolas, Gimli, and Aragorn to arrive on scene. Mm -hmm. You know, like, that's how I look at that. I don't, I think that that was a judgment call. And you could argue it's not a good judgment call, but that's war. Sometimes we make calls and sometimes people die. So you think he would blow the horn to draw Legolas, Gimli, and Aragorn to him and just assume that they would let Frodo and Sam fuck off? Because at this point, they were still trying to 
be with Frodo. Frodo hadn't fucked off yet at this point. Well, I think it's more so to call the crew. The last thing sees is the, f- the five of them go one way, him and the two others go the other way. Yeah, but I, think, I don't think the horn was. I think the horn to, was to, to crawl. get the rest of them to him. It I is. Think horn, it, no, it that, is. That, that horn, the horn of Gondor, is meant to call for aid. Yes. So when he blows it, he's trying to signal, "Hey, we're <clears throat> we're being attacked. We need help. You know, come here. This is where we are." It's you know they didn't have walkie talkies back then, so they couldn't be like you know we're in sector six. So he's got to blow the horn, but the problem is, is that everybody can hear the horn. So and also you too, got a charging band of Urukai and orcs, and them are not they know where people are, but then all of a sudden they hear a horn blowing. They're like, okay, that sounds like where I should go. So right, Aragorn and Legolas are fighting off what like ten of them. Boromir's fighting off like fifty. Yeah. So. You knew in that scene, as soon as it happened, like, he was going to die. There was no way he was going to survive. Even the first time I saw this movie, I was like, this dude's fucking dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and they he dies trying to defend Merry and Pippin as best as he can because he knows that as soon as – if they run, they're just going to shoot arrows at them mm-hmm. and they're going to fucking die. Mm-hmm. So he's got to sit there and fight, and then he gets shot with an arrow, but they don't shoot Merry and Pippin. They take them because they think they're carrying the ring. Right. Because they were told. told yeah, the, take the, the halflings. Yeah, take the hot one, of, halflings. one of the four halflings has something very important to me. Like, and don't kill at, this point, at this kill point, um, Frodo and Sam have already fucked off. They're gone. They're, they're making their way down. Well, Frodo's no. gone, but Sam hasn't been up with him yet. Frodo, Frodo starts to fuck off after the deal with Aragorn, and then Aragorn, by the time Aragorn gets and, and kills the, I guess, commander of that Orokai tribe at the mm-hmm. time. Yeah, with the hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah cool the, one, the one who kills Bormir. Um, at that point, that's when Frodo starts to fuck off, but you don't see him get in the boat and Sam go and almost drown trying to get after him. Until after they've already Bormir's dead already. Bormir's dead. He no, puts, I know. He puts the but they're already on their yeah. way because yes. there's that uh, scene timeline. of them running in the forest and they're Merry and Pippin tell Frodo to run. Yes. They're yeah. gonna distract the Urukai, so they go out with Boromir because they were hiding originally. Yes. And, and then they, they were like, Oh, look at us, we're hobbits, come take us yeah. because they don't know which hobbit they're freaking which, looking for. I mean, talk about that scene for a minute. Uh, the very nonverbal majority of it, specifically with Elijah Wood. But that whole realization, specifically in Mary, that oh, we're, we're splitting up now. Yeah, like he's, he knew. He, he knew. Yeah, yeah, and that's why, like, too, with with uh, Pippin, when Pippin's like, "What is he doing?" He's like, "He's leaving." And then, the, then that decision, like, I I love that. And also, too, can we talk about um, when Gadriel is talking with Pippin? Or I don't remember exactly what it was, but someone, something, or someone talks to Pippin about him needing more courage or. Gaining his courage That's, or something like that. It is, yeah. it is Gadriel, right? Mm-hmm. We saw his courage when he jumped on the damn orc thing. Well, so you mean the troll? Troll, yeah, the, the troll the thing. Troll. So I was going to ask you, is that your best scene, the Boromir deal at the end? Well, See, I'm between two. Because my best scene is the tomb of, what's his name? Gimli's cousin. Mm-hmm. That's my best scene, my Balin's favorite scene in this movie. Yeah. What's the name? Balin. Balin. The tomb mm-hmm. of Balin. The battle there. Or... As I just decided, we can also call it the Battle of the Little People. Because this is when the hobbits show their courage yeah. and show that they're game. And this is the coming out party of Gimli. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So yeah. this is the Battle of the Five Little People. Yeah. I mean, Legolas is really the one who takes care of the cave troll. But the reason everybody survives that fight, besides the Elvis chainmail on Frodo, is Marion Pippin. Mm-hmm. What was that? It's Dwarven chainmail. It's Mithril chainmail. 
Oh, it's dwarven. Yeah, dwarven. It was given to Bilbo by Thorin mm-hmm. in the original Hobbit movies, mm-hmm. which we don't see until. Right. Doesn't yeah. he? I thought he said when he gives it to Frodo, he says it was made by the elves. I thought he said. Mm. Sting is made by the elves. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Sting was made by. That's the elves. That's why it glows blue when the orcs mm-hmm. show up. Um, <clears throat> n- no, but that that scene I do think is pretty amazing, and I do appreciate that. And, and we get the now famous line, uh, "You fool of a took." Oh, yeah. Fool of a took. Yeah. Fool of a took. But I will say... Throw yourself down next time and rid us of your stupidity. Yeah, yeah. that's an amazing... Yeah. I, and that's, I appreciate... And Mary's just like, like, just super, super embarrassed. Yeah, and I appreciate, too, that Mary... Um, or, I mean... Uh, Is that, a complete idiot the whole time. Yeah, well, him Until and Until the very end of the movie. Like, him and Pippin, like, they're... One, their comedy is amazing. Like, I'm sorry, honestly, Pippin is an idiot. Mary's no, the smart Mary's one. Mary's the smart one. So... Pippin says in the beginning, in the council meeting, when, when they were all, all three of the hobbits were all hiding in on the meeting, when they come out and say, we're going to, you're going to need some people of intelligence on this sort of mission, yeah. quest yeah. thing. And it's obviously a joke, like, that they're, he's the fucking one who brings the goblins to them in the tomb in the first yeah, place. Yeah, exactly. But in Two Towers, he's also the one who rips off his clasp. And spits it on the ground because he knows if Aragorn finds it or, or is looking for them, mm-hmm. they're going to know they're on the right exactly. track. Exactly. So it does come back around where he well, does smart shit. So the great thing about Pippin is Pippin, I feel like, is the most innocent in a way because he's got that, like, he's like a child in the first one mm-hmm. where he's like, you know, he knocks down that thing. Like, where are we going again? Like, mm-hmm. they're talking about the elvish bread and he's the, Mary looks at him and goes, how many did you get? He goes, four. You know, and then he has that burp. So it's like, in a way, it's like we see uh, Pippin grow up because by the second one. He loses one, his innocence by yeah, the Yeah, that's trilogy. what's happening. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And two towers, well, he's lost are, it. They're, all four of them are supposed to be around their 30s, right? So. I believe they're Somewhere all supposed there, yeah. to be around their thirties, but this is also a species that lives to be. Bilbo's li- Bilbo's celebrating his one hundred eleventh birthday, right. and he's like, you know, just a little bit past middle age at that point. So there's they would well, no, that. Bilbo's oh, no. well, Bilbo looks that good because of the ring. So as soon as he gives up the ring, and you see him so again, do hobbits not live long. No, they do, I, but like, he, the reason why he looks so young at 111 is because of the ring yeah. giving him unnaturally right. long life. But what's their, their lifespan is what? About 200 years? Like 200. You know? My point is that No, like 150, on, I think. Yeah, because he's like an old point is that man in Rivendell. Based, based on their, um, their lifespan, like 30 is, probably is, equivalent, is equivalent to like 18, 13, 14, yeah. 15 years old. Yeah, yeah true. Yeah, I guess I'd say like sixteen. That makes sense. Like around like sixteen somewhere yeah, around there. So they are kind of children, and they're little or they're smaller people. Yeah, and they don't come from people of adventure, or that's mm-hmm. how Bilbo came. You know, came. Yeah, become to be who Bilbo. He is. Yeah. Um, so they, yeah, they are the, the four of them do represent the innocence and, yeah. and the purest of pure hearts. In yeah, their absolutely. Um, but with that scene, it, what it leads to um, the fly you fools. I, that's got to be one of my favorite lines said in the entire movie. You're talking about the Balin scene. Yeah. Yeah. Ball yeah, yeah. The So that that scene from when um, he turns around and it's um, Gandalf versus the demon and he just looks at him and he was like, you shall not pass and puts the sword like thing down. That entire scene, the whole Boromir stopping Frodo from moving towards Gandalf um, before he even falls, like when it's just kind of that moment. But that moment on Ian McKellen's face of just like, I did it. Like, oh, yes, I did it. Like, all right, we can breathe for a second. This thing's not after us. And he turns and that whip just comes up and whips. And I think it's just one of the 
best scenes in the entire film. And then that struggle that he has for a moment and then looks at them and just goes, fight fools and falls. And that's a Shakespearean line. That's from Macbeth, which I told him last night. Um, there's a scene in Macbeth when I can't remember what the guy, the dad's name is, but the son's name is Benvolio. And they're they're riding off to somewhere to to kind of foil the plot. And um, riders are after them like assassins. So they end up in this battle with these assassins. And the father looks at Benvolio and says, fly, Benvolio, fly. And he takes off to like, you know, survive. And it's it's kind of like a little I, I think it's a little homage to that, because where else would you get fly, fly, you fools? Like, that's a huge I mean, that's so known in Shakespeare too that line. But yeah. um, also what the meaning of the line is in Shakespeare is very um, polar, uh, you know, parallel to what's happening in mm-hmm. the scene. But you know what I don't get? <clears throat> and it's such <laughs> it's such a minor thing. <clears throat> when it comes to that scene. And I don't want to take away from the significance of that scene because what it leads to is majorly significant, which we don't find out until the second movie. But someone could have went down there and grabbed them. So I think two things are happening there in Gandalf's like, mind. Aragorn, Legolas, Boromir, literally anyone could have yeah. just went down there and been like... Only a few minutes before this, because this is something I meant to bring up. The entire time they're walking from the minute they leave the council, similar to how wolves walk, the leader, one of the leaders is in front. The biggest badass is in the back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's Aragorn. Moments before this, <coughs> when they know the Balrog is coming, Gandalf switches mm-hmm. with Aragorn mm-hmm. and tells him to keep going no matter what. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's kind of the well, simple answer for why. And pr- probably also, like, even if you did think that you could go get him, was it worth the risk? Are you gonna? I mean, we don't know that. Not, dead not even, not even you. Gimli knows enough about these mines to really know where they're going. And they so. were also getting shot at by right. goblins. So, um, yeah, okay, that's my, fair. My feeling about that scene, like that, his thought process in that scene is that when he's standing there, there. You mean when he's hanging? There? Hanging there, yeah. It's one of those things where. Yeah, I could put myself, I could have one of them help me, but we don't really know that this guy's gone. That's the first thing. We think he is, but magic is magic. It, it There's open doors. The second thing is, with magic, we know Saruman has turned. He can't really be the white wizard anymore because of darkness has started to seep into him. So do you think Gandalf I think in that moment? Gandalf knew that by sacrificing himself, not necessarily he'd become the white wizard, but... That he would resurrect. I, and I think that's a magic thing too. Because when you study magic and you study like that type of thing. Which is kind of what this is based in. Which is it's based in all natural magic. We if, if you talk about like past lives. Like the whole point of shadow work and past life regression. Is to reach enlightenment. So if you're in this lifetime. And you start doing shadow work and doing past life regression. And learning about your other past lives. The whole point of that is to kind of assimilate your mind with them. It's kind of like Assassin's Creed. Yeah. Like in a way, like yeah. that's the whole point of it. And I can't wait to go back and finish it. Which I'm also I bought the Switch and I'm playing it on the Switch. It's goddamn amazing. But anyway, I digress. Um, when you like to simulate mine, it will you learn all the knowledge of everyone that you've ever lived, and it will give you that. Much, it will get you that much closer to enlightenment, which is the final goal. Is all like all knowing, mm-hmm. and by the, when theoretically when you get to that level of all knowing, 
you no longer reincarnate. Now you are a guide and you guide the new lives going through and everything that and help them that way. So like that's like the theory of it. And I think that's where Gandalf's mind was when he did that. I think he said it's worth the risk. You know? I guess we'll never really know. No. Yeah. <clears throat> no. Also, we can't we can't, like, can't really ask Tolkien like, hey man, what was the inspiration by him? Yeah. You know. When Gandalf makes that switch, he tells Aragorn, um, there's no use for your sword here. Mm-hmm. And then I could be wrong about this, but when you know, then he falls to his supposed death. If you hadn't read the books, like I don't know, I never did before I saw the movies. Mm-hmm. You assume that Gandalf's dead, and then we open two towers, and he goes down there and he grabs the sword in midair. Does he not kill the Balrog with the sword? Yeah, yeah, he does. Yeah. yeah. So I thought about that today. I was like, that's kind of fucking funny. He winds up killing it with the sword anyway. Well, well, he's sword and that. Yeah. Well, so... I never got to finish my then and now. Legolas is a kid. Gandalf now. Gandalf's the man, dude. I mean, yeah, Gandalf's pretty I mean, amazing. Yeah. But I feel like, yeah. I mean, if, like, sure, I'd love to have the powers of the Gandalf, but I feel like that's, like, like, Gandalf the Gray, maybe. Cause Gandalf like the a... White, I'm talking. I'm talking <laughs> Gandalf the White and Shadowfax. Ooh, Shadowfax is a team. You know that who's also pretty amazing? Gadriel. Yeah, I, you know we what it is? Of her, is I feel like, like specifically in Lord of the Rings, I don't want to... I don't want to associate myself or put too much faith in people with magic because, like they said, the time of the elves is leaving. So there's really not going to be much magic left in the world. Mm-hmm. So you got to put your faith in men and dwarves. Right. Dwarves have some magic, but not like the elves do. So, you know, I, I would rather be someone like Gimli who is just like, I, I'm just going to charge at you and I'm just going to fucking kill you with my fucking axe. Like, Natural born sprinters. Very dangerous. Yeah. That's that's it's two towers, and it's my favorite line in the entire series. It's, it's such a good one. And Natural born sprinters. It's such a good line that it's in my description on my Instagram. That's amazing. Very dangerous over short distances. Great. Natural sprinter. Um. Yeah. No. I mean. Well, I'm gonna take this over and move it on to heat check. Ooh. Okay. First question with the heat check: Is there a heat check? Because this is a movie that has about. At least nine, we'll call it with Saruman and whatever, and Gollum, whatever else, we'll say 11 or 12 central characters that it all focuses Mm -hmm. on. And there's not much outside of that besides basically NPCs, right? Right. Does Pippin count? Because if he does, it's him. I know he has a lot of screen time, but they don't have, he has enough like lines in comparison to everyone else, where I feel like I might let him qualify. But if it's not him, who is it? Because, like, well, you could say Elrond's <laughs> definitely eligible. I was going to say Elrond. I would say Gadriel. Um, Liv Tyler. You, yeah, you could, you could say her. I mean, I think we're, we're solely... Bilbo. Oh, you could give it Bilbo, to Bilbo. Bil- yeah, I would argue Elrond. Bilbo. Anybody who's, like, from the first act and a half. Yeah, because after that, it's pretty argue. solely on... The main crew. Anybody you see in the Shire in the beginning, mm-hmm. like all of those people. Obviously I, I think I'm going to give my heat check to the elf that finds them in the woods, specifically because he absolutely roasts Gimli. Oh, <laughs> that's right. That was The dwarf right. was Is breathing so... Cousin? That's... Um, from, from Two Towers? It looks yeah. like the same no, guy. No, it is. It's yes. the same guy. Yeah. yeah. Why can't I think of his name? Oh, um... Not the actor. The actor uh, character. No, yeah, no, yeah, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. <sighs> It's not Faramir, is it? No, Faramir, Faramir is, is Boromir's right? brother. Yeah. Crap. You only hear his name at when he arrives. Whatever. 
But yeah, no, I'm going to give it to him because he just shows up like an absolute boss and is like, we could have just killed all of you because this dwarf was breathing so loud. We could have shot him in the dark. Yeah, that was a great line. I would, I would probably <laughs> say. Which follows up right after he's, he's saying something yeah. about Yeah, him. he's like, I have... He has like I have the I have the sharpest eyes and the sharpest ears and all yeah, this stuff, no one, no and then no one's gonna catch us. No one's gonna catch us off guard, and then he's just an arrow in his face. Yeah, it's so good. Um, I would give it to him. I would. There's a lot. There's a lot. You could say. You could say. You could say Galadriel. I mean, she gave. Like, all the things that she gave them are so crucial in the rest of the movies. Well, I also think, too, that scene with her and Frodo where he's so like, good. take it, when take the ring. Into the demon oh. And then she's, I passed the test. Yeah, yeah that, that's, that, yeah. I mean, first off, she's beautiful as the demon. Yeah. Like, she's scary, but she's stunning to look I at. Mean, Gimli said literally he would never call anything fair unless it's her hair. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Um, and Kate Blanchett's a beautiful woman too. But um, she is. She's a total bombshell. And don't look up. <laughs> Even now, Kate Blanchett's still good looking. No, she's, yeah, she's amazing, and she's yeah. an amazing actress. So like, she she's, is a great actress. Top, top tier. Um, Shout out Kate Blanchett. Yeah, seriously, if you're watching this, <laughs> give us a call. We got some roles for you. Um, uh, well, listen, I I will write her whatever she wants. I'm pay you in hugs. <laughs> We're just gonna pay you and be staring at you awkwardly. So I can't imagine you here. It's gonna be like one of those, you know, like in this basement. Yeah, yeah. Imagine I'd be like, she's real. <laughs> you know, like, wait, when I lock the door, I lock the door, I lock the door. Like, but um, I honestly like, I would give it to, I would give it to him because I listen. I'm not used to the seat. All right, I look like a mess. Um, it's it's been a whole rough. It's been a rough couple days. It's been rough since Friday, but um. He he's not like in a lot, so it's like you don't get much of him. You only get that one line versus her. She does qualify for the heat check, and you do get a lot in what she's given you. Mm-hmm. Like there's so much in those little moments there. So I mean, she I she she's I think a better argument for it than him. But I wouldn't be mad giving it to him because it is a line that stays with you. Absolutely. Yeah. I like Kate Blanchett. Are we gonna give it to Kate? I think we give it to Kate. Kate Blanchett gets okay. the heat check for Fellowship of the Ring. Kate. Best, most quotable, best quotable one or scene. One does not simply walk into Mordor. There's so, there's so many There's so lines. many better ones. Um, like, no one tosses a dwarf. Yeah. Not the beard. Not the beard. <laughs> yeah, like, literally right after yeah. that. <laughs> um. No, I know, but, like, there's something about that line <coughs> always kind of just stuck with me like, i love them but honestly my favorite line probably is fly you fools i think there's a, so much behind that line i think my favorite line and you're gonna hate this because it's from boromir um but it's the line that he delivers right before he dies to aragorn <gasps> oh, that's a good one. which is i would have followed you to the end yeah my captain my yeah. king and then he just dies i think it's that is the immediate moment he redeems himself as a character and then he immediately dies. <laughs> I think he redeems himself when he gets the couple hours and keeps fighting. I think Yeah, I think that I, I think, think that whole scene is But I think is him accepting and acknowledging Aragorn, someone who you see blatantly on screen they don't have a good relationship mm-hmm. as his king and then after he, you know, fucking eats himself off the waterfall, Aragorn attaches the bracer from Gondor that has the tree on it. It kind of, I think that's where you kind of start to see him accept 
who he is yeah. and what he's going to eventually play in this entire story and epic. Yeah, I so. think that's great too with Gadro when she says you you have a choice to make too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna give I'm gonna give that best quote. That one sticks out to me every time I watch the movie. What about second practice? Eleventies? <laughs> Lunch? Yeah. After afternoon tea? I, I don't think he knows about any of that. <laughs> Just get dinged with an apple. Breakfast. Yeah, so I don't think he knows about second breakfast. Um, 70s? Yeah, that's a good line too. Um, no, nah, but I do think my favorite line probably comes from Two Towers. Potatoes. <laughs> well, we're just talking about fellowship, <laughs> know, so stay but, in fellowship, that, okay? All right, all right. Um, no, I probably honestly like that line's amazing. There's a lot of amazing lines. A lot There's of like, so many. What a lot There's of like, so many uh, in this Gandalf movie. says too is so oh, powerful. He has, very, he has a very Dumbledore-esque quote in this movie when Frodo says that I wish I never, I wish mm-hmm. the ring never found mm-hmm. me. I wish this wasn't my problem or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And I forget exactly what he says. He, I think it's something along but the lines of... It's a very Dumbledore-esque quote. It's like many people feel that way, but all we can do is make sure we do the best with the time we are given. Yeah, it's like something that. amazing something like that. that. Super, super, yeah, you're right. Very Dumbledore-esque. Um, I forget what Bilbo says in the beginning <coughs> right before he's about to put on the ring, but that's a great line too, where he's like, I hate half of you and I just like... Oh, yeah, he's like, like, I like half of you more... Then I I'm no, it's it's, it's, a dis, it's, a, it's it's a it's a diss on both levels, and that and he's like right, and I was like, oh, that's yeah, a great line yeah, too. Yeah. And and Gandalf's reaction to that, realizing that, I think to the scene when we first meet Aragorn, when he's just creeping in the fucking bar, mm-hmm. and uh, Pippin's like, I know Frodo, he's my second cousin twice removed on my mother's side, <laughs> yeah. or whatever it is, and like that's a great Shut scene up. too. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. when he falls and gets the ring, that's the classic. That I feel like that scene, everyone like. That sticks out in everyone's Oh, mind. where he's falling When that down. first scene, yeah, when it happens. I think, and it's such a smart shot, the way it's all handled, it's it's pretty, mm-hmm. pretty Also, amazing. I think one of my favorite shots in the whole thing is the pan zoom when they're on the road and, you know, the riders are coming. So good. A well-executed pan zoom yeah. lends so much to a scene. I yeah. love it. Yeah, there is, oh, <laughs> there is one scene that when they're fighting the troll, right before they realize it's the troll and Bormi is right at the door and the two arrows come in, Something about they have a cave troll. Yeah, the, wonderful. Yeah, yeah, that. that line. Oh, yeah. nice. They have they brought a cave troll with them. Lovely. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, like yeah, that line too is fantastic. A nice little Boromir thing. But oh, um, in that same scene, Gimli on top of the tomb. There's one dwarf left in Moria that still draws breath, and he just absolutely. Yeah, that's a good line too. That's him hulking up on top of the tomb. Just going Super Saiyan real quick. Where does Gimli store all of his axes, by the way? Because he just like. I think he just has them both on his back. Well, he carries one on his back and then he carries Oh, one. I guess they're standing in the tomb where all of these dwarves died. Because in this scene, he... Is, he's got he's got two. He's throwing yeah. them. He's yeah. picking axes up and, and yeah, throwing them. They're and they're yeah, because they're all over the room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so I guess he's it's picking a, them up. That's what they say. Like, when they first walk in, he's like, it's not, it's not a cave, but it's so a like, grave or whatever. They say, he says, this isn't... This isn't a mine, it's a tomb. tomb. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's not, it's a mine, it's a tomb. And, that and that's when they realize that there's bodies all over the floor. Yeah. And Gimli has like the <laughs> holy shit moment. But the it's not until he crisis. sees the actual tomb yes. of his cousin where he really goes super saiyan on Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, and he reaches 9,000. So <laughs> the reason I bring this up is if either one of you ever played the Lord of the Rings games. Oh, yeah. Like the yet. movie games. You Classic. could cycle between, I believe, at least in the f- in the first in the Fellowship of the Ring mm-hmm. game, you could pick between Gimli, Legolas, Aragorn. Yeah, you could pick between those three. three. 
And basically, like, you have your melee attacks. Mm-hmm. And Legolas has those little swords, the little short. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I guess they're really long knives. Like and daggers. then everybody has a project, uh, projectile attack. And Aragorn obviously also has a bow mm-hmm. that he uses. Gimli just throws little throwing axes. <laughs> so that's why I bring up where is he getting all these axes. axes yeah. Because in the game, you just press, like, whatever L2 or whatever it is for the projectile. And he just... He's got a little throwing axe, and he just throws it's little throwing amazing. axes at people. And then by Return of the King, I think, when you could play as more characters, Gandalf shoots white, like, magic blasts mm. out of the staff. Yeah. Great. They were yep. pretty great movie adaptation games. Yeah, yeah they were good games. I played the hell out of them on PS2. Um, another amazing scene, though, is right after Gandalf's death. The, like, that, literally directly after yeah. when they're all mourning, the, the music, the cinematography, the shots... The uh, silent crying. Yeah, like you, like first you see Sam, and then you see Merry and Pippin, and Pippin destroys you. Like seeing Pippin so emotional. Frodo destroys you. Well, f- but that's even Gandalf, later though. Gandalf's their hero. I know. Well, he's also their friend. Yeah. You know, it's like he's like their big uncle. You he's, know, like well, he's like the only non-Hobbit that regularly spends time in the Shire, and he's like their connection to the world yeah. outside of the Shire. Besides Bilbo, obviously, <clears throat> but. But it's different because Gandalf wants to spend the time with them. Yeah, yeah. you know, and yeah. they know that. And he but he comes, he brings them, brings the gifts for all the kids. Yeah, and he always has stories, and he's like, you know, he is like their uncle. Yeah, and I mean, but that's the thing too is like the way they pace it is so smart because first they show you, I forget who they first show, you, but first you see Sam, like <laughs> Hobbit wise. First you see Sam, Sam, Mary Pippin, and then Frodo. Right. No, I know that, but between Mary Pippin and Frodo, you see Legolas. Mm-hmm. And Legolas's reaction is also amazing, and mm-hmm. I, that that testament to uh, Orlando Bloom's acting because Orlando Bloom's a phenomenal actor too, actually. Great, um, he it, did great in this movie. Yeah, and Carnival Row, which just came out recently, which you've never if either well, you kind of watched it parts of it when I was watching it, but that, that was the one with uh, Cara Delevingne and him. He was the inspector. Mm. Yeah, it was. Um, you would really like it. it's fantasy. Um, really amazing because he's older now, and it's like he's got a bit of that swagger to him. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I think that scene is just um, it's heartbreaking. Even thinking about it now, like I get emotional and and fucking Aragorn being the boss and being the king and saying get them up mm-hmm. and Boromir's a moment. A moment. Oh my god, like that. And plus, you you just had Gimli grieving. So it's it's a loaded sentence because not only are they all grieving Ga- um, uh, Gandalf, but Gimli is grieving his species. Well, in a just way. that city, just that tribe, yeah, just that, that city. city. Yeah, but I mean, like, well, I guess because there's more that happens, but it's it's still an emotional thing because like this is like these are his people that are just they've been slaughtered. You know, and so I, I think that scene is just well, really if they powerful. Didn't dig too greedily and too deep. That's neither here nor there. I also feel as if that that line from Boromir, to me, makes little to no sense because up until this point, he hasn't been shown. He's only been shown as like the ruthless, bitter, aggressive type. Like he's the right. last guy who should be being like, "Oh, give them a second. But that's the point of it. Yeah, is I that guess, but, no? Yeah, but he I, has that whole scene where he's teaching him to fight. Oh, yeah, 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 that's I love the too. scene when he's when he's teaching. Them. Yeah. He's like playing around, and you know, and he's then got he nicks some... Pippin's hand, and they start kicking him. And yeah, yeah. and then they and get then Aragorn, Aragorn gets in yeah. there, and he's just smoking his little elf pot, and laughing at him. That's yeah. that shit's definitely getting them high when they're smoking the pipes, right? Oh, probably. It's pipe weed, yeah. yeah, it is. So, I mean, there's an overt reference to it in the second movie, right at the end, after the whole battle of uh, Saruman's tower, mm-hmm. where Merry and Pippin find that whole barrel. 
and they start smoking and they're just like laughing hysterically as the smoke's yeah. coming out of it. Yeah. It's, oh yeah, yeah, that's right. I never, yeah. that never oh, Kobe. We got to keep it moving though. So we any any more? All right. Well, what we say? We'll, Scenes or quotes? Uh, the whole movie. <laughs> Everything. Um, council scene is great though too. Council scene is council, good. Council scene. Council, scene's council scene is the first real moment we realize. Yeah, just that line. Well, well, I said today before when you guys first got here that I always in my head feel like this movie starts at the council scene, and today I realized it's just about halfway through the movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, I mean, it really because you know what that see this is the thing about trilogies, um, and so same with series is you have to understand the over lapping arc so you have to understand the arc of the entire series and that um that like um uh inciting incident i totally blanked on that the inciting incident in the film starts when frodo gets the ring or i guess you could even argue when when bilbo puts the ring on his finger and disappears but the inciting incident of the entire series is probably that council, that council scene meeting. yeah the i would agree and then I would argue the torture of Gollum because that happens before anything that's what sends the riders to the Shire that's what sends Frodo to uh, Bree I guess that that's is what the sends the true insight incident of the yeah they captured yeah, Gollum at and tortured that point him. their their only task is to get the ring to Rivendell yeah even, oh so, yeah, that's so true. So even at that point, they're like they're going, they're thinking they're going to Rivendell and they're going back home to the Shire. True, 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 true. Yeah, these, like these heroes that Gandalf has told us all about, we've heard all these. They're gonna go make sure we're safe. We're gonna go fucking farm, yeah, and drink and part. What what are the hobbits just fucking get high, get drunk, and farm? That's all they do. Yeah, pretty much. Shit, giant party. Sleep. Yeah, all their parties. Yeah. They're hippies. <sighs> they're hippies. They're literally hippies. They're they are literally yeah. fucking hippies. Um, Staying on their communes, not yeah, worrying about, about the about world of big folk. This was written in 57. So those are definitely hippies. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, but yeah, I would say that, that the torture of Gollum is the inciting incident of the first movie. The whole first movie, yeah. Yes, of yeah. Fellowship. That is the inciting incident. I, I almost blanked on that, actually. I don't mm. know why I thought that was later. But yeah, that would be but, the, inciting yeah, the inciting incident. The inciting incident on the entire journey is the council yes, meeting. Yes, 100%. Yar. Yeah. So, I mean, you could argue now the council scene because of its importance. Well, yeah, without entire... that, you don't get the... <laughs> You, you have my, you have my bow, and my axe, and my sword, and my sword. Yeah, sword first. Yeah, sword, sword bow, axe, and then you see Gandalf smiling. Right? Is it Gandalf or Elrond who smiles after he realizes that? Because they just spent the last at least five minutes on film. God knows how much time, real time, like in in storyline, mm-hmm. is supposed to be that meeting. But the the whole thing is bickering. I'll die before I let an elf take the ring. Never trust an elf. Yeah. And they're all bickering back and forth about who should do it. And then once Frodo, who is the light amongst darkness, mm-hmm. stops the fight and takes them, they all instantly are like, oh, we're going to team up now. And it's either Gandalf or Elrond. They, you Gandalf see is upset because he didn't want Frodo to right. go. Elrond is like, oh, thank God. Like Elrond has that moment, like that 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 smirk mm-hmm. because he knew that. He, he, Gandalf doesn't want Frodo to go, but he, he says – um, I will guide you as yeah. long as it's your burden to bear. Yeah. He yeah. himself also knows he cannot take the ring. Right. Yeah, of course. And he knows Aragorn can't take it either. None of them can. Yeah. That's yeah, that's really. literally the whole scene with Galadriel. Well, she... you, you need to have the purest of heart to be able to with, withstand that evil. Right. And that's why the only two people ever known to have successfully 
carried the ring without becoming totally evil or Bilbo and Frodo begged. Right. Yeah. Frodo, I mean, with the help of Sam, was Gibgee, the true hero of the entire trilogy. Oh, I agree. Agree. <laughs> Sam is amazing. Before we keep going, we're going to take a break. All right. We're here. We got to talk to you about Stay Thirsty for a minute. All right. In October, we had a special promotion going on. Droptober, you had brand new products every week in the month of October. For the holiday season, we got a little something different going on. Isn't that right, Jack? Yes, sir. This holiday season, we're going to have a mystery box for you guys. You're going to use code HAVOC to get 15% off. Get a mystery box. You're going to give a gift to yourself while you're giving gifts to the people you care about. Stay thirsty, Co. Drop the OY and focus on you. All right, we're back. As always, best way to support the show is to support the sponsors. You can also check us out on socials at HOH Podcasting on Instagram. Like, share, comment. post out with the algorithm. Yeah. Also, go comment on our Spotify and Apple music podcast, whatever it's called, because that also helps our algorithm. <laughs> algorithm. Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Music. Yeah, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, mm-hmm. wherever you can get a podcast, yeah. we're there. It's time to do best performance. Now, this one's hard because all of the acting in this movie is very good. Part of me wants to go Vigo because I do appreciate the full-blown methodness that he took. Mm-hmm. Carried his sword everywhere with him, patched his own costume whenever it ripped. I mean, yeah, that's pretty deep. That's that pretty is. Deep. Uh, he carried his sword everywhere he went on set. He never broke character and he patched his own costume when it would rip. See, like, I'm not crazy about method acting or method actors. First off, I think you get so stuck Daniel in them. So Daniel sucks? No, no, no. I, no, no. The performance that it portrays is amazing. I'm talking about off screen. When you're, oh. when like you're, dealing when you're with Heath them. Ledger and you're, like, fucking with people. Or Jared Leto. And, and, and giving dead rats yeah, or whatever put, the fuck Jared Leto put dead rats in people's, like, Walkers and shit. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. shit like that. Like, like there's a line, and like for me, when like dealing with acting and specific actors, but when I have to act, I don't want to be stuck in that character. Like, if I'm playing Cersei, I don't want to be stuck in that character. That I mean, I already partially am stuck in that character, but like not fully. I don't fully want to be like that, you know. And I think like someone like uh, uh, like Bull the bitch, uh, Bull the bitcher. Jesus Christ, Bill the Butcher. Um, that's a wild, wild ride. Like his wife had a tough time. His wife had a tough time with Lincoln. Bull I know that for a fact. Is, yeah, is Bill the Butcher's weird cousin that Bull, nobody Bull talks about. Bill the Butcher should be a should be a limited series. Bull the Butcher. <laughs> Toss a coin to your bitcher. <laughs> Every episode starts with him just opening the door from work. Like, honey, you're never gonna fucking guess what happened today. You're never gonna guess what fucking what Jerome did today. <laughs> Where does he work? Does he work in the bullpen? Just is, the is mill. He... Just the mill. You just call it the mill and leave it at that. Like, <laughs> never gonna believe what happened at the mill today. No, he should be like a bullfighter. Make it real interesting. No, his name's just Bull. His name's just Bull. Because he's full of it. Yo! Oh, I think we just created a show. <laughs> Look at that. Gave it away for free. Coming up soon. Copyright House of Havoc Networks. <laughs> Copyright trademark. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I think Ian McKellen. Definitely. Easy. Orlando Bloom. Easy. Is definitely in the conversation. John Reese Davis is definitely mm-hmm. in the conversation. Christopher Lee. Billy Boyd. Oh, God, so good. 
Billy. Okay. Not Billy. Sean Aston. Not Sean Aston. I don't think he. No, Sean Aston doesn't really shine until movie number yeah. two. No, I wouldn't put any of the think, Hobbits. No, Billy Boyd is in the conversation. I'm sorry. I meant, I meant like the four. Like, Billy I mean, Boyd is Pippin. I think I had an aneurysm or something there. I don't know who the fuck I thought you guys were talking about. Saying, saying, saying. I think he sang the song for The Hobbit, didn't he? Ah. Huh? Didn't he? Didn't he sing uh, Over the Misty Mountain for The Hobbit? Wasn't he the one that did that? I think so, yeah. Yeah, it might have been him. And then you had that Two of those idiots have a podcast together, too. So Billy good. Boyd have you listened Tom? to it? No, I haven't. It's hilarious. They're such a, it's literally like listening to Marion Pippen do oh, a podcast. Amazing. It's amazing. Um, I think... So I'm just going to go ahead and throw it out there. You know, I already know who, who mine is, and I had right. this. It's definitely, definitely Ian McKellen. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I, I think his entire performance is so good, and it's what makes his death hit so hard mm-hmm. because he drops all of those Im- great pieces of wisdom. He literally gets his ass kicked by Sauron. Yeah. Saruman. Sorry, not Sauron. And, you know... Puts it all on the line and then comes back and is like, don't worry, I got you to the point where he literally sacrificed himself fighting a giant monster demon thing made of shadow and flame. Yeah, amazing. So, I think also, too, can we... Shout out to Ian McKellen. Um, also, there's an amazing... What? Kate Blanchett about a religion. Oh. Yeah, well, whole... I, mean, I think we've, we've just... I think this might be a love podcast to Kate Blanchett at this point. But uh, right in the cave... The cave... The mine fight um there's a great scene with aragon when he like does like a double punch and then like i don't it's like not even a back it's like a side punch and yeah. it's it's just amazing it's just that um, you talking about the scene made me think of it but i would probably say um ian too you're talking about the tomb fight that's yeah the fight in the tomb. he stabs an orc in front of him with the left hand and then goes like this and punches a orc behind him but it's him. two he does one two punch and it yeah, made me laugh it was uh, a good you combo. sure it's one two or stab twist <laughs> Nope, it's it's definitely Still, down twice. It's yeah, definitely then he down turns, twice. Punches the orc behind him without really looking. Yeah, amazing. Pulls amazing. the Hawkeye, the original Hawkeye shot. Mm. I think it's um, Ian McKellen, or I really do like Orlando Bloom in this movie because He's really good. it's a quiet performance. Mm-hmm. But he does a lot good. of great. Um, physical acting, like every time he's using his elf eyes. Yeah. He's telling a story with his face. Every yep. t- almost every time he's doing it, and I do love the physical acting. But he is also all the time. He's Orlando Bloom as a whole, also as the character Legolas. He's always acting with his face, mm-hmm. even when he's not the focus of the shot. Like most of that council meeting. Other True. reason that I like Orlando Bloom is because he's good at all the serious acting, and he's a believable character and all that great stuff. All the reasons I like Ian McKellen, but he's also like. His dynamic with Gimli on, on top of the Marion Pippin, mm-hmm. great comic relief as well. Yeah. See, part of me would, part of me wants to say I want to watch the Two Towers because I might give it to Legolas in the Two Towers so because the, he's more. It's more well, in the Two Towers. The reason, but at least the, I feel the reason that it feels that way is because they're split up now. No, I agree. So they're not on the screen at the mm-hmm. same time. So like Marion Pippin are, are the obvious butt of the joke throughout the entire movie, mm-hmm. uh, series rather. And they're all on screen largely together this entire time. Right. So then once they break off, you have Gimli and Legolas breaking up the one story, Merry and Pippin, the whole thing is comedic relief with the trees. And then Samwise is probably... <laughs> the trees. Con- 
I will say though, Mary The Tree Harders. I love yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mary in the second movie is solid, especially when after all that time, you know, spoiler alert if you didn't see the movie. Um <laughs> when the ends basically decide "Mm, fuck your war and he just gives this whole passionate like are you fucking dumb like you know if they win you guys are screwed Mm -hmm. and he just is the whole time trying to convince this end to like you gotta do it you gotta do it you gotta do it and then it's his idea believe right to go south back towards Isengard as opposed to I guess, north or, you know, west, wherever they were going. And he was like, uh, the aunt is like, why would we go that way? And he's like, uh, yeah, I, I, I forget the right. reason he him. gives him. Mm-hmm. He's like, okay. And then he starts yeah, lumbering yeah, yeah. south. And then eventually he sees the just absolute destruction of the forest. So I think Mary becomes a very um, important character in epi- yeah. in uh, episode two of Star Wars in the second movie. But no, this I, movie. I agree with that. I'm going Ian. I do like the old line of blue kick. I respect it. Yeah, I'm going Ian. All right. That's good enough for me. Um, Kristen Stewart for worst actor. Any of the elves that came Ian with... Ian Holm. Really? Which one's Ian Holm again? Bilbo. Uh, Bilbo. I wouldn't give it to Bilbo. Who would you give it to? The doorman. Sean Bean. Sean. No. no, stop Sean with the okay. First off, we talk about Sean Bean and Sean Bean. Sean Bean and Sean Bean. Sean Bean. Yeah, Sean, Sean Bean and Sean Bean. Bean. Yeah, yeah so. I mean, okay. and and it's a bad character in Game of Thrones too. Anyway, let's focus on like, this movie. This is this this might focus this on is this gonna movie. be a problem when we walk out of here. We may not talk for the rest of the night. Okay, <laughs> I'm. That's like that. That hurt me a little bit. I love Sean Bean. Sean Bean. Who doesn't love Sean Bean? I mean, there is a good story. There was one time when uh, we were playing like some type of charades game, and Boromir and, Sh- and Ned Stark were in the basket, and I literally pulled out and I got Bo- I got Ned Stark, and I'm like, uh. and I was like Ned Stark, and then I pulled out Boromir like right after, and I was like uh, Boromir, I'm like that's it. <laughs> it was like one of those. But I appreciate too Sean Bean uh, just loves to die in things and loves to play a villain. My favorite thing about that is that he acknowledges it in the movie The Martian, where uh, he, uh, he he I forget he said he says something um, about the fact that you know he's he's you know there's a good chance that he'll probably die on this mission or something like that. Yeah, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, like yeah. okay. And then I also they mention they name the team of people that's planning the mission to save you know Matt Damon. Mm-hmm. They call it the Council of Elrond. Oh, do they really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I never actually like, yeah. really watched it. Oh, I've never seen it. Oh, great, great, great movie. Probably one of the most scientifically accurate sci-fi that movies I you will watch. Um, and then it won Best Comedy at the Golden Globes, which was hilarious. <laughs> dude, I can't with the Oscars and Golden <laughs> yeah, Globes. That, that, that was such so a shit stupid. show. Ridley Scott came up and he's like, uh, I don't know why we won for Best Comedy, but thanks. Yeah, like, I appreciate the, the There award. was like a good comedy like there was a couple of good comedies up that year too. Like it's yeah. not like there weren't good comedies. Yeah, I have no idea. It was stupid. Um, yeah. um, Sean Bean isn't the worst actor in this movie. No. I was just pushing buttons. I'm thinking, rattling my brain here and trying to really come up with. No, a I literally answer, think it's the doorman. 
when they first go to who gets slaughtered yeah. by the gospel. Yeah, great kill, great kill. Love that one. Just stamp all over him. He kind of sucks. I think the the innkeeper too. He kind of sucks when he's hiding there. He's like, yeah. I mean, I... <clears throat> bad acting. Any of the dead people in Moya. Useless. Um. <laughs> <laughs> what a waste of a shot. Let me give, give it to the one specific goblin at the end who <laughs> fucking, when they're shooting the arrows back and forth, he goes to like take cover behind a pillar. Like he does a 180, like a hop and a 180 <laughs> to take cover as Aragorn's firing arrows yeah. at him. And he like does a hop and a 180 and like tucks mm-hmm. co- like behind, like if this is the wall of the pillar. And he's like not really behind him. Like he's, he, oh, yeah, he yeah, talks yeah, himself yeah, yeah. behind a pillar, but he's like Aragorn is straight in front of him. Oh, you know who kind of annoys and then me? He, and then I'm pretty sure he bites it right after that. I think he does too. But you know who kind of annoys me? Um, when they go see Kate Blanchett, that dude, and I can't think of his name. Oh, right now. her like husband or whatever. Oh, whatever it is. Yeah, he kind of annoys me. Yeah, I, honestly, this is going to be so controversial, either in this room or to our viewers, but I think. With enough screen time to be considered bad acting, because if somebody does something bad, like the innkeeper's on screen for like a total of two minutes, like it, it is, it is what it is. <laughs> um, but I think bad acting, and I don't necessarily, I don't know if this is the character or the actor or some combination of both, but I'm gonna say it's. Um, Are you gonna say Elijah Wood? No, oh, no, 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 no. Um, no, Elijah Wood does great. I was about to be like um, <laughs> Samwise. No, no I think it's character. Not a good actor. No, but I do think it's the character, though, too. It's rude about hot take alert. Hold on. Hot take alert. Rudy sucks. As a movie, as a character, the whole deal, it sucks. Don't at me. Someone's going to at you. Um, but, yeah, I think I think Sean Astin, Samwise, as a whole, like... I mean, I understand the role he plays as a overall figure and is super important to the trilogy. Also, that was terrible for the audio. My bad. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I will say that it's probably the weakest performance in this movie specifically. Out of any character that has legitimate See, I don't know, because I pop, I pop for Samwise in the fight. He's fucking taking goblins out with the frying pan. Amazing. And then there's that scene, too, like one of the first Yeah, but that's scenes. probably a stunt double. No, I'm just. No. I, I mean, more the character. Talking, than yeah, him. we're not. Talking oh about... no, I, I'm just talking about <coughs> the acting. No, but no, there's I think also the that... only weaker acting. I think <coughs> Dominic Monaghan probably has some weaker acting than Sean Astin. So Mary. Think... Yes, Mary. Yeah, you could say Mary, but I feel like too. There's a good scene with Sam when they're hiding, like the one of the first times Frodo wants to put on the ring. It's calling to him. And he just reaches over and grabs him. It's a really small, short scene. It's very quick. That ha- well, that part is very quick. That's not a small scene, but it's it, it's it's just smart. And I think he does a good job. I think given the material he's given and the character he's given, I think he nails it. I think he is supposed to be like that. No, I I, I don't I don't I, I, like I said I I don't know you know I mean maybe it's not the character. I just you don't like him in Fifty First Dates. Yeah. He was great in Click, though. Yeah. Um, <laughs> With the fucking shirt. <laughs> oh, it's so good. 
Um, yeah, go fuck yourself. <laughs> I, I just, I think out of any character that had major screen time in this movie, his performance is marginally the weakest. And I, I know what you're saying about, uh, what was his name, Dominic Monaghan, but all of his lines involved Pippin, and it was all like comedic banter, and I think Billy Boyd did a good job carrying those scenes, so you kind of like... It's just funny. It's entertaining. It's good. It's it is what it is. But there's a lot of solo scenes with Sam or with say like serious acting scenes. Well, I mean, more believable. To be fair, like I I wouldn't consider Frodo to be one of the worst actors at all. But there he does annoy the shit out of me most times. And when I think it's a character it's thing. To. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's why I don't. It's not an Elijah. Um, but that Wood makes thing. it a good performance. I'm, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's not Elijah Wood thing, but the, the, he, he it's like a scenes heel, where it's he like a heel and wrestling. Yeah. Heel and wrestling. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I think I think Sam is supposed to be lovable, and he just isn't. He's annoying. I don't think he's annoying. I think that's what are you talking about. He complains the whole time. So does Frodo. Yeah, but Frodo has a reason to complain. He's carrying the Ring of Doom. So does Sam. He got dragged away from everything he ever no, knew because his friend his, needed help. He's going with his boyfriend, you know, Frodo on an adventure. No, no, it's more like me going with you because you have to carry the ring across Mordor and my hobbit feet are going to take us both. Okay. That's okay, what it's like. First of all, and I'm gonna bitch at you left and right. And you I'm are not carrying fucking... me up that mountain. Well, you know what I mean. It's a metaphorical thing. Metaphorically, I'm carrying you up the mountain. Also, you wouldn't carry the ring because you're too dark. No, I'm not carrying the ring. I could not carry the ring. That ring would just. I, I no, would we would have to keep the ring from you. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. You can but... never be Sam. No, I could. I could shut it off. I could shut it off. I'm not Boromir. <laughs> okay, I could. I for no, you for for you, a friend. No, I could. You're a seal door. <laughs> like mighty enough to let sever the finger of Sauron, take the ring, and then fuck and then off with it. Have a moment where I can get rid of this thing and end it, or I can take the power for myself. And you take the power for yourself. You know, I don't know. That's not meant to be enough because I'm not over here calling myself. No, Frodo. I'm just. I'm just gonna sit here and say I'm probably also a seal door. Well, no, the only thing I'm going to say right now is that for years you fought me on not being a Slytherin. And then you make comments like that that make me a Slytherin. Like, I mean, well, you are I'm ambitious. Little... You, I'm, have, you I'm do have Slytherin ambitious. tendencies, but you're, mm-hmm. you're Hufflepuff. I won't say that you don't have Slytherin tendencies. How's she a Hufflepuff? She hates people. I'm an excellent finder. That doesn't... She's a Hufflepuff, dude. No, she's Hufflepuff. Hufflepuffs are literally be. social butterflies. They like people. <laughs> Emily hates people. That's <laughs> true. Can't stand them. Exactly. <laughs> That's why I've had a rough couple of days. I've where, had to deal with a lot of bullshit. Where's Where's the Hufflepuff common room? Right next to the library. Kitchen. Is it right next to yeah. the kitchen? Yeah. Yeah, oh, because they, they smoke because they, the they smoke a shit ton of weed and love eating food and <laughs> hanging out. Emily would do that, but by herself. Yeah, I do do that by myself. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back on topic. Um, I, I think, I think, I, I'm just, I'm going to give it to Sean Aston. I'm sorry. I love you, Sean, but I'm, I'm, I'm giving it to Sean Aston. I will say the one one scene in particular where I feel like if any, you want to say it's bad acting on Sean Aston, not the, is the, if I take one more step, this is the furthest I've ever been from home. It's a little rough. Yeah, it's, it's, a, yeah, it's fair too. I'm Beautiful cinematography to, though. Beautiful shot. Be amazing. I'm going amazing. to pull a matter. rewind first here. I'm not giving this award. I think that's fair because it's really hard to give this you, award. You can, you can take that back if you want to because I don't yeah. think you knew I that mean, was an option. Yeah, I mean, I if think that, I kind of just that, decided in the moment. I'm, I'm not going to get one. Hey, house rules, new rules. That's how it's. Okay. So then, yeah. 
no bad acting. Yes. Yeah, just too much overall great acting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's not one person that I can point to. Yeah. Beloved. No yes. one person I could point to and say, so I'm going to go with none. Mm-hmm. I agree. Okay. What's next? Marissa Tomei. Best dressed. <sighs> Plenty of costumes to pick from. Arwen. This one. Yeah, I think it's got to be Arwen. She has like f- three or four different yeah. costumes and they're all amazing great. and she's stunning and this mm-hmm. is like li- not not one of her first but this was a big one for her mm-hmm. yeah you I'm- could you could also kind of give it to um to elrond either either one because elrond's whole outfit is just i was thinking legolas too because he's got that he's got that whole like uh <clears throat> over uh like shawl that he's wearing i can't think of the the word i'm looking for you know cloak cloak Cloak's not what I'm. It's cape. the cloak isn't what I'm talking it's about. Cape. It's like no, it's not the cape. He's wearing like a shawl around himself. In the council, it's like meeting. an infinity scarf. Oh or something. yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, um. No, it's like there's a specific. I believe it's a Mexican style of shirt that is very similar to what he's wearing. In that I don't scene. remember. There's so much going on in those it's scenes. It's like a shawl sort of a deal. It's on. It's not the the cloak or the cape. No, no, no. I, I know. I know what scene you're talking. I can almost picture it, but I have to. I'd have to look again. But Honestly, like Arwen's fair though. I would say her too, but though we have the most changes with her too, so yeah. we see uh, more of a style. Um, yeah, I'm going her. Absolutely. That was the fastest award we ever gave out. Uh Well. Rebel Wilson Showstopper Award. This is your scene stealer. There is no limit or restriction on how much or little they're in the movie, but this is for the person who every time they're on screen... Pippin. Yeah. Pippin. 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 Yeah, Pippin. Pippin. 100%. Maybe Pippin or Legolas. Or no, it's Pippin. It's got to be Pippin. Mm-hmm. Actually, no. Well, mm, no, and this one's Pippin. Yeah. No, it's Pippin. I was going to say Gimli's got a, some, some good scenes too, but I, he, I think he would be a running for two or three mm-hmm. more than this one. I would say Pippin this one. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, it's Pippin. Mm-hmm. That was an easy one. That Look at easy. us. Back to back. Zoom in. Zoom in. It's because we're tired. That's, that's the final <laughs> award. And um, bring it back to the uh, rescoring. I'm leaving mine at a, at a 9-0, I think. I'm not really going higher than that on this because, you know, there's only so much room to go up Yeah. 9-0. And, you know, after I, after I finished watching the movie this morning, I was probably looking at like an 8-6 or an 8-7. So I did already kind of move it up. <coughs> From my initial thought. So I'm going to leave it at a nine. Love the movie. Love the series. If you know anything about me and you know how I feel about trilogies, you could tell me which one of these movies is my favorite. Any guesses? Two Towers. Got it. Bang. Yeah. Right in the head. No, I knew I'm that. Big fan of the no, second question. movie in trilogy. Mm-hmm. So that's where I'm at. <clears throat> I have a follow up question for you after we end the podcast. That's fine. Um, I'm I'm saying an eight eight. I'm gonna also stick it a nine one. Yeah. I think I think with this movie, with what they wanted to accomplish, they did the absolute best they could. Yeah, I, this is a true. This is like Dune. This to me is exactly how Dune is handling it. Where this is a true setup movie. Mm-hmm. We have a full setup movie, and Dune did the same thing, and that's why Dune. I felt a little like not lackluster, but I felt like I was missing something. It's because I'm missing the rest of the story. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and that's the same thing you kind of feel with this. That's part of the reason the first Dune was such a clusterfuck is that they did all the new Yeah, movie. yeah. They're doing it right this time, and it's beautiful. Um, and I think, too, this movie, like I said, it, it, it holds the test of time. It's just absolutely amazing. And I think Peter Jackson's storytelling, his, his visual storytelling is you you could put this movie on silent and know what's happening. This is one of those films. I think that's more I think I think that also is a huge uh, nod and appreciation to the actors. Because that if you just took if you just did, you know, cinematography, you would be like, "Wow, this is a really beautiful place. Where is this?" But it's the actors where you could turn off the audio and you'd be like, Oh shit! This is bad. Oh, this is really right, sweet. But, like you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, no, I know. But the reason I say Peter Jackson, especially Galadriel. Oh my gosh, today. But the reason I say Peter Jackson is Peter Jackson's captain of the ship, so that Peter Jackson's ship's not moving. So no, but seriously, like, that he is—he's everything. He arguably he is the casting. He's this. And that. No, of course we know there's other factors in that, and it's Hollywood. But at the end of the day, Peter Jackson's making the calls. Sure. He's making. He's saying that that we've got that shot. We don't got that shot. He's talking to the actors and adjusting their performances and stuff like that. So without Peter Jackson, we don't have this. Um, that and that's not to take away from everyone else and how amazing they are. But in this is Peter Jackson's film. It's Peter Jackson's world. This is directed by Peter Jackson. We don't sit here and say, oh well, you know that's Viggo Morrison's film. No, it's a Peter Jackson film. True. You know. So and that's kind of like how I feel with like when we're talking like um um. Uh, J- um, James Cameron, not James Cameron. Oh my gosh. Um, fucking Dunkirk. I can't. Even- Christopher Nolan. Jesus, Christopher Nolan. Yeah, I'm having a rough day today. I got my Lion King shots. It's confusing me. Um, yeah, but Christopher Nolan, it's just kind of a similar thing where he uh, he's the captain of the ship, and it's completely Nolan ship. In every fucking film, it's Nolan ship, and I think just Peter Jackson, the way he handled the material, I think it's also a testament to Tol- uh, Tolkien. Because oh yeah, it's his story, it's his visuals, it's his world, and you know, I mean, his stories, The Hobbit and all the Lord of the Rings, they they to this day are amazing. If you read them right now, you you you'd be transfixing them. Speaking of the books, one of my friends, um, Maggie, shout out Maggie, she just read all of the books. I think a couple of months ago, for the first time. Yeah, had never seen, never read them, knew about them. Mm-hmm. Love them. Just couldn't put them down and then was so excited to see the movies and then was so thrilled with how well they did the movies, which very rarely happens yes. with book adaptations, Absolutely. especially one that's as dense as Lord of the Rings. So yeah. good job, Peter Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. Also, fun fact, which I didn't get to say before, but in the scene at the end where they're fighting the Urukai and the big guy with the face comes up and he's fighting Aragorn. And he takes the dagger out of his leg and throws it at him. And Aragorn knocks it with the sword. That's actually a real dagger. Really? Mm-hmm. That's Very a real cool. metal dagger that he... Ding. <clears throat> Look at that. He really Fucking is. Vigo. Method. We might, we might have Full to bump Vigo up now. <laughs> Vigo's time to shine. Vigo, Vigo's time to shine is Return of the King. Oh, it's my true. God. So yeah, good. it is true. I mean, he's... He's that's his movie. Amazing. That's my favorite. That's that's his. He's the main character in Return of the King. That is my favorite yeah, one. Out of all three of them, it's Return of the King. I gotta it's rewatch so both good. of them. Like the, main, spe- the main character of Fellowship is Frodo. The main character of Two Towers, I would argue, is Gandalf the White. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the main character of Return of the King is the king who is returning, Aragorn Elrond II. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I, agree. Uh, I also really enjoy the twelve endings that you got in. The extended edition, it's really hilarious because every time it cuts to black and you're like, ah, 
Oh, wait, no, there's more. Yeah. The Return of the King? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm not going to rewatch it. Yeah. I have when, yeah. when, when, when you guys get to that one. How long's that one? Over four? Yeah, I think that. I think they're all roughly around the same, but I think that one's the longest at like yeah. 420 or something. It's because, because of all those it. Well, it was the longest theatrical release. What was I, that? That one was the longest yes. theatrical release. <coughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. All right, any final thoughts, anyone? No, that's it. This was season one. It's a hell of a ride. Mm-hmm. We will be back, like we said, for season two. Going to do all book adaptations. So 16 book adaptation films. One more thing I will throw in there. I forgot to get this in. We were just talking about movies and movie theaters the other day. And both of my parents were trying to figure out when the last time they even went to see a movie was. And my mom is positive the last time she went to see a movie in a movie theater was The Lord of the Rings. Wow. On that. Yeah, I just had the same reaction. Wow. That is quite a gap. That is literally going to be 20 years in a few days. No, it was already. Oh, yeah, I guess, yeah, for the actual Mm -hmm. New Year's Day. Does. Is that what it's like like to be an adult? Like that was like to get old. Is that what is that what we are aspiring to be? Here? No. Okay, good. I just no, make sure. I'll never. I'll, I, I think I'll ever sure. turn, out, turn out to be like that because I just love the movie going experience. Mm-hmm. No matter what. like when COVID happened and they started releasing all of these movies where you could just buy them for thirty mm-hmm. bucks on Disney Plus or the Black Widow. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. And everyone was like, "Oh, a movie theater is done for good." And I say nay because there are millions of people in the world just like me. Mm-hmm who love and appreciate the movie-going experience. Now, I'm, I won't go see every movie in the movie theater if the option is also there for streaming because you don't got to put on pants, you, you know, you don't got to leave the house, that whole bit, it's cheaper. But there are movies, like any of the big Marvel movies, any yeah. of the big DC First one movies. I saw was No Way Home. That's the first one I saw that in movie theaters since COVID. Yeah, same. I, it's not. It's the second movie I've seen in a theater since COVID, and I can't think of the first one. Shang-Chi. No. No, no, I you did go see something. I don't remember what it was. I, I don't can't even think it was anything great because there wasn't even anything playing at the time. Yeah, it, it was, was like, like movie theaters just opened back up. Yeah, yeah, I don't remember what it was, but um, it was just to get in a theater to have the soda and the popcorn. Yeah. And not, I'm be honest with you, soda and popcorn. Yeah, I'm. I'm not. I'm not a movie goer. I love movies. I know it's really weird. It's really weird. But my feeling. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. I have a reasoning for it. I don't like people. I don't like people in my space. I don't like people. You're a Ravenclaw. Am I every house at this point? I mean, my God. Oh, I mean, let me just show a Gryffindor trait real quick. Um, like fuck me. So I mean, uh, volunteering to help me carry the ring—that's a very Gryffindor trait. It is a Gryffindor. I am the mightiest. <laughs> okay, Thanos. The Thanos of the Hogwarts house is here. That's it. That's it. I Voldemort. Who? <laughs> I think um, I think Ralph Finnis would have a word with you. I have a word with Finneas? him. I don't even know how to pronounce his I don't, last name. I mean, it kind of, to me. I see his name, and I I I see Phineas. I know that's not his name, but I for some reason just my head, my dyslexia goes. It's Phineas, but um, no, I'm not. Like I, there was a movie that we saw, 1917, where someone's phone kept ringing in the back. And then they talked on the phone. And all I could think in my head was, this is a film that is going to change our entire industry if it works. As a filmmaker, I'm going to strangle you with my shoe tie. That, that's not a regular movie-going experience, though. No, that's but not... it's... No, no, no. I know, I know. But that's it's a very specific thing. But 
it's it's the whole entire thing it's it's the the coughing the the whispering it's the the having people near you that you don't know yeah you must hate going to see marvel movies then why well, sat in between James and Anthony? Like I sat in between James and like, Anthony. I mean, like if you went, like I went to go see No Way Home opening weekend, and that theater, yeah, so so, that theater got noisy and excited. Also, like there's also the pop in a theater mm-hmm. when something good happens or something unexpected, and all of these people that you don't know, you would never see them again. You're never gonna talk to them again. You might not have anything in common. But yeah, it's whatever like a drunk movie, girl in the bathroom. whatever movie you're sitting there watching right now, you're both enjoying it for the first time in real time, at the same time, and I think there's something nice about that. Yeah, see, I guess I I'm one of those people that like needs to go, like not needs to because I'm not rich, but if I had the money, I'd see the sports game in the box, and that's nah, gotta be in the no, 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 no. Let's wrap this up. Okay. Um. Thanks for having me on again. Oh, of course. It. You're always, always Love invited it. whenever you're Appreciate in town, it. my man. Love it. We are brought to you by House of Havoc Podcasting, Tiger Pack Productions, Sachi De Janeiro, and Stay Thirsty Company. Peace out. Later. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the show, whatever movie it was about. Uh, this is a generic pre-recorded outro, but we hope you had fun. We sure do. Thanks for listening. See you next week. And the only prescription is more cowbell. We will not go quietly into the night. Stay gold, pony boy. I will not die sober. Get those fucking loose. That's all, folks.